<sighs> Any questions, John? Or, I mean, it's it's really just uh, <laughs> we just we just we just bang them out, man. And then we Jake takes breaks. You know how it works. Oh yeah, I'm sure. I'll <laughs> Jake, how's the bladder doing right now? I'm doing okay, but I had two cups of coffee in the last 45 minutes. What so. the fuck, man? Can you change this? <laughs> it's madness. It's madness with you. <laughs> it's madness. Like it's like you know. And yeah, it's just like whatever. <laughs> Fuck Brian. <laughs> Fuck Brian. My bladder's gonna be going to town. There needs to be like a fucking. I need like a, a meter of your bladder, like a video game, so I can see it inside. <laughs> there needs to be a fucking app, right? Just I can just I can see your bladder, and then it's like, oh shit, we're in the red zone. Jake's getting full, and then I'll know when to take a break. <laughs> like a video game gauge. Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah, yeah, that's great. All right. Am I loud enough or too loud or nothing? Neither. I think he's good. Fun. Yeah. Great. All righty. Let's do a test record. Uh, me, Jake, Stephanie, John. So just say something. Here we go. Three, two, and one. Hey, welcome to the show. Blah, blah, blah. Hey, what's up? Yada, yada, yada. Hello, pretzels. Hello, it's my turn. All right. We sound good. Cool. Hey. Good. As soon as I hit record, though, Jake, you'll be you'll probably be low. Fuck <laughs> it, reason. It's weird. Uh, you know, shit happens. All right. <clears throat> Clear the throat. All right. You guys ready? Yeah. So. All right. Let's it. rock and roll. Oh, that was too much. Ooh, shit. Yeah, I'm ready. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. <laughs> I need a break I'm now. Gonna reel it. Jake Jake just pissed himself. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Here we go. Three, two, and one. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers. Episode 418. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a walk rat. But it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. It's a trap. Do we love it? Hey, let's race it, race it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over counterculture, push over pop culture. I'm cool, kids. What's to say has already been said. Only talent is the band that's singing this pop culture leftovers. Something has crept or has been driven out of dark waters under the mountains. There are older and fallow things and orcs in the deep places of the world. And you're listening to one of them. This is Pop Culture Leftovers Podcast. You shall not fast forward! Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And we're the leftovers. leftovers. I'm enunciating. I'm over-enunciating this episode, Jake. I got it. Okay, you had to use the words that, like, you really, they're all just like one syllable. You really don't have to (laughs) enunciate those words, Jake. I had nothing to enunciate there. Yeah, nothing. Just one syllable words. Jake was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna dazzle Brian with some some on the fly enunciation and give him some one syllable words that really don't need such enunciation. Yeah, I'm just gonna caveman talk this episode. Movie good. 
TV show. Fine. No, I, let's not let's not make that leap. Um, Jake, <laughs> how are you? I'm okay. Oh, you're okay. All right. That's that's what I hope. That's what I, I'm not. I'm not. So that's good. That's good. At least you're okay, and at least hopefully our guests are okay because uh, I don't have a lot of confidence this episode, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll build that confidence up. I uh, I feel like Valerie Bertinelli in a Lifetime movie, and something tragic happened to me. Oh no! Yeah, I used no. I used to be carefree. I used to be carefree. I used to have the world, the, the fucking the the suns uh, rose and set on on me, and now it is, and I didn't have a care of the world, and now everything, Jake, is just just turned to shit. No, I'm just really fucking tired. I I, I barely got any sleep last night. I said I wasn't going to talk about this, and here I am talking about it, Jake. <laughs> I kind of figured it would come up. <laughs> yeah, I, I've been there, man. I oof, Some of the episodes where I'm just so tired, but honestly, I think some of my best stuff has come from me being just so tired and not really having the filter on my mouth. Look at you pumping yourself up. I'm trying to pump you up. <laughs> <laughs> Jake's like, you know what, Brian? It doesn't matter if I'm running fucking on fumes, man. I can. I'm just killing it all the time. Brian, you on the other hand, you don't have that luxury, okay? <laughs> no, it's it's kind of the opposite. I think I'm only good when I'm completely exhausted. Mm, okay, yeah. Jake just needs to be, just needs to be. Uh, I can't see. I can't even think. I can't even fucking think of the words I'm trying to say. Anyway, fuck it. Let's move on. Let's uh, let's let's uh, have our guests jump on this episode. Hopefully, inject some fucking life into this podcast because I sound like I got one fucking foot in the grave. All right, welcome, Handy Greg from Amazing Home Projects with Handy Greg on YouTube. Welcome. Hello. Hey there. You look at look at the, uh, the energy level over there, from Greg. Very. Hey. What is this? Is this a is this a is this a dick measuring contest with enthusiasm? What's going on here? Fired up. Dude, I'm telling you, he's, he's coming his in. His audio. His audio is like, it was fine before, now he's coming in low as fuck. I don't understand it, Jake. I re- it's like as soon as I hit this record button. <laughs> that was the lowest yet he's been. I know. He sounds excited, but he sounds excited like in a tunnel down, <laughs> like very far away. Hey, hold on. It's like what is like, <laughs> I'm worried I'm worried about him having to try to outrun a train here like it's uh sounds like he's in a train tunnel Jake. How do I sound now? What Whoa. the fuck why, why was he why weren't you sounding like this fucking a while? what happened? I wanted to wear my I got AirPods and I wanted to wear my AirPods cuz it's comfortable and I guess I can't fucking wear them. So here we oh, go I with could have told you that. I tried that one episode. The AirPods don't work. God damn it. Now, well, now I know. Fuck these AirPods. Oh, my God. Thank God. They can't hold the charge long enough either. Like, even if they did work, what are you going to do in two and a half hours? Exactly. I don't, oh. they, they're really not very valuable, just, to be honest. Yeah, just charge them up on one of Jake's many pee breaks. Christ. <laughs> <laughs> and uh we're also joined by uh quentin roberts from the real zodiac podcast welcome Quint- quentin i can't say your name or anything right now this is perfect this is all i wanted mm. <laughs> this is it's the this is way down at the bottom of the things i want list right now me <laughs> tripping over it's my good to be here. It's i'm not even thank you yeah welcome yeah it's great Fucking awesome. Yeah, I'm really feeling the confidence. <laughs> <laughs> Got Handy Greg joining us from a fucking well. 
<laughs> Handy Greg joining us from the trunk of a car. <laughs> Remember baby Jessica growing up? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was like the biggest news story in the 80s. Yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, little baby Jessica down that well. She lost, I think she lost the pinky toe. Oh, did she really? Yeah. The well? Yeah. No, yeah, she went down a well and she lost her pinky toe. That was... <laughs> no, she got out of the well and then stepped into a bear trap and lost her pinky toe. Well, you know, I just, yeah, that would, that would be like, that would suck. No, this is a this is a big, huge news story that happened before you were born, Quentin. So it's like yes. everything that we're talking about right now. Let's just make up shit about baby Jessica and the well. <laughs> Quentin, Quentin, come on now. I, yeah, no, I appreciate the. No, there's this little do. there's a little girl and she's walking around, I guess, in her backyard, and she fell down into this very small hole. It was a it's a well in her backyard, and I think like I think one of her legs was sticking straight up. And it took it took like a rescue teams like days to get her out of there. And they find like yeah. the whole nation was watching like on it was all over I'm the watching. news. The whole nation I'm looking was looking at watching. her right now. Yeah. Baby Jessica. Yeah. She did lose the toe. You're right. I never knew. That's a fun fact. Oh, that is a fun <laughs> fact. Real fun. Yeah. That's for her. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. And Quentin, if anybody ever asked you how it happened, she was like five years old, but she was tripping balls. She was oh, out of sick. and she fell down the well. So, right, I remember that detail more than more than anything else. Yep. Yeah. She was only eighteen months old, according to this. Year and a half. Bad parenting, right there. Then. No, that's just what parents did back then. Things had changed. I, I mean, parents just used to let their eighteen-month-old run around in the backyard all by themselves and shit, fall down wells and stuff. So. <laughs> different times, Greg. Different times. The 80s were different times. You know, I was riding my bike and kids were falling down wells. <laughs> the 80s seemed scary. It was fun. Yeah, it was fun. You didn't know if you were going to live one day to the next. Yeah, the danger made it exciting. You might lose, gotcha. a, might lose a toe. You never know. <laughs> so I eight, think it was mostly the constant threat of being kidnapped and molested that yeah. really made the Oh, every. Yeah. Every fucking white van, somebody wanted to fuck you in the back of it, didn't they? Pretty much. Yeah. 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 Kids dying in refrigerators left and right. Yeah. God. That happened too? Yeah. Yeah. Kids were fucking crawling in the refrigerators and dying. Well, at least your music was great. Quentin, yeah. Because there was no internet, Quentin, any story people told, you had no way to fact check it. So... Mm. Like, we pretty much, all the shit that you consider to be dumb, like urban legends today, we actually thought was real in the 80s. That, yeah. You know what? That's crazy. That's awesome. Yeah, we didn't have, like, Google. <laughs> well, I don't even know when Google started. You know, like, do you, I, I'm not trying to, like, start a whole thing here, but, I mean, was was that a 90s invention, or was that, like, in the 2000s? Because yeah, I don't it, even know. It was Alta Vista first. Right, and then I don't know. We're not the guys to ask. Who the fuck are we? I know that's why I prefaced with that. <laughs> Did no started in 1998. 1998. You know, I was three years old when that happened, Jake. So I definitely oh, don't fault the yeah. internet becoming a thing. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, we remember a time before the internet, Quentin. 
<laughs> I don't, I guess. Yeah. No, you don't. You know. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, what are we, what are we, oh shit, Jake. I, I don't even have, I'm so fucking goddamn tired this week. I don't even have the goddamn bumpers pulled up. You got this. You got this. Yeah. All right. What do we got here? Oh shit, man. We got an iTunes review, Jake. I don't have that fucker pulled up either. So I guess we don't have one. Aww. I'll pull it up, you big baby. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Don't go falling down a well, you pussy. <laughs> <laughs> ready to crawl into this fridge <laughs> oh man what the way? It's, I hope baby Jessica didn't grow up to be some kind of cunt or something you know let's see let's she probably she probably like grew up being very aware of her surroundings you'd have she's, to think she's 38 now no she's like Mr. Magoo she, she's like Mr. Magoo she keeps falling into shit <laughs> not again <laughs> oh no Oh, wouldn't that be the story? Adult Jessica falls down a well. She just keeps falling down wells, Jake. The sequel. It's like the boy who cried wolf. After a while, they're just like, holy shit. They just set her up in a well. She just lives down there. <laughs> she sounds like a good person. She's an assistant to a special education teacher Aww. in an elementary school. That's an honorable. Oh, para. Very honorable. It's an honorable she profession. Fame, I saw. Okay. Let's see here. What is that squeaking noise? Is somebody? What is going on? This episode is fucking shit. Uh, that is not me. That's not me. I, I don't know what guess that is. Greg. It's me. I was gonna guess you. I was gonna I'm guess sorry, Greg. On. It's always with you. Let me know if the sound stops right now. Yes. Yeah. There's no sound. Fuck. This is this God is. Damn it. He said <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh my god, Jake! I want to start this one over. It's so fucking bad. <laughs> no, no, keep it going. Keep it going. Jesus Christ! Is I keep, the, people are listening to this right now? Like this is like this is going on in somebody's fucking ears right now. What we're doing, all of this. <laughs> I mean, so hopefully, sorry. there's someone that's like jamming the 15 second forward button to get the good pop, bad pop every episode. That person knows what they're doing. Okay, all right. That, yeah, that's reassuring. <laughs> Thank God that person's out there. That has the know-it-all to fucking fast-forward through this garbage. <laughs> I feel so much better now. Relieved 100%. Wow. That was my Snickers moment of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. That's why we have the bumper, so they know when to stop fast-forwarding. Anyway, what do we got here? Greg, are you just, like, are you just, like, 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 like playing, like, are you, like, a statue right now, super still? What's going on? Well, I'm on mute because of the high-pitched noise that's bothering you so much. So I'm trying not to be a source of that. <laughs> what a solution. Just mute all episode. Alrighty, here we are. All right, let's see here. We got a got an iTunes review. It's This is this iTunes is uh, very wrong because uh, this is not the episode to read it on. What is that fucking noise? Yeah, that's weird. What is that fucking noise? What is going on over there? 
I hear it. I don't know what it is. I think it's you echoing on somebody else's thing, man. Is someone on speaker? Hey, yeah, we're back. Had some technical difficulties there. Um, I don't even know what we were talking. We were doing an iTunes review, and I was talking about how this is probably not the week to read this one because this is a five star, and it comes from J. Wayne Mayer Jr. and it says this podcast is getting better. Yeah. yeah, not the week, man. Not the week. Not this particular podcast. Not this week, buddy. But uh, appreciate the five stars. Appreciate the iTunes review, Jake. Yeah. Ooh, bad timing on that. Bad timing, though. Yeah, because this is not the one. Yeah, that felt like a nut punch. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it was sincere. Well, first off. He hadn't heard this one yet. Well, Saying this podcast is getting better and we're already 418 episodes deep, that's kind of a smack. That's a slap in the face, don't you think? Bit of a backhanded compliment, yeah. Breaking your stride, man. Mm, Yeah, I suppose. Anyway, eh, thanks for the five stars. Jesus Christ, Jake, what what are we doing with ourselves here, man? What's going on? All right, what do we got? Uh, yeah, we have the uh, Yellowstone contest. I'm going to go over the five winners that are going to win uh, five Blu-ray copies of Yellowstone Season 4, starring one Kevin Costner. Uh, let's see here. First winner is going to be Stephen Pliska. Stephen Pliska, you win Blu-ray copy of... Uh, Yellowstone season four. Number two, Reed Pakes. Jake, is it, it's spelled P-A-K-E-S. It's just, it's like a lazy way to say pancakes. <laughs> Let me get some Pakes. I want some Pakes and some maple syrup. <laughs> you got boysenberry over there? Oh, I don't. I do not like the boysenberry. Oh, I love the boysenberry. I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> boysenberry just sounds dirty a little bit, though, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Sounds it like does. sounds like boys years, boys berries. For years, I it thought sound, it was poisonberry. It sounds like a pretend fruit, like something Willy Wonka would make up. Yeah, the schnozberries. Schnozberries, <laughs> the boysenberries. Yeah, my dad had a gooseberry bush in the backyard. Oh, those are cool looking. They look like mini watermelons. They do look like little mini watermelons. Yeah. Anyway, gooseberry. Anyway, what? Kind of sour though. Yeah, I wasn't a fan. Yeah. Let's see here. Number three, Stephen Jenkins. Oh, nice. And number four, Dylan Cross. Dylan Cross. Sounds like a sounds like a rock star name. Yeah, I was thinking that sounds like someone on the cover of like Tiger Beat back in the day. Sounds like if there was like a <laughs> like Empire. Remember that Empire Records movie? If they oh, yeah. ma- if they made a sequel, Dylan Cross would be the the rock star that would visit the store in part two. I'd show up. Yeah. Number five. I love that fucking movie, by the way. Robert. Oh, that movie's fucking awesome. Robert Pangburn. Pangburn sounds like something you want to get checked out by your doctor. 
Oh, yeah, immediately. Oh, fuck. Don't hesitate. Oh, my pang. His shorts were too tight, and he got pang burned. No, you 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 fucked the whore. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I think you got pang burned. <laughs> Dude, I, I, I fucked the whore in an alley. Now I've got pang burned. So there's our there's our five winners. <laughs> In <an> alley. <laughs> what? The alley was a nice touch. Yeah, yeah. You get it. You get it from a whore in an alley, Jake. Yeah. Did he get it Lots from a whore? Of- did he get it from the unsanitary alley? Where did the pang burn come from? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, that's a tough one to explain. <laughs> right. Let's see here. Oh, and uh, let's see here. Oh, we got a, I want to thank listener Aaron Ramey for sending a donation. So thank you so much. It really helps out the show, helps us pay for fucking all these goddamn subscription services. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Aaron. We appreciate it. <laughs> so seriously, thank you. Really appreciate that. Um, check this shit out. Did you guys see this? A birth control pill for men could start human trials this year. I did read this. That changes the game, Jake. Just change the game. It changes the game, man. It's like we've got, uh, we've got, dude. It's like we're, this twenty twenty two. What the fuck, man? We got fucking pills that can get your dick hard, and now we don't even have to worry about that hard dick fucking impregnating somebody with these fucking pills. What are they calling? I actually thought this existed already. Really? Yeah, I'm surprised we don't have this yet. Huh? I never heard of birth control pills for men. No, yeah, that's new. Yeah. All right, I guess that's all we got on that. Um, <laughs> when hit mute, sometimes I obviously has nothing else to say. Sometimes I, did. I couldn't think of anything. I literally could not for the life <laughs> of me. I was like, birth control, birth control. No, it's like it's like you can just you can stick your dick in anything and don't have to worry about it. It's just like it's like uh, I'd still stay away from the whores in the alley. You'll still get pang burn. Mm-hmm. That'll give you pang burn. Yeah, <laughs> just do- my, just my great grandfather got pang burn on shore leave in World War Two. It was bad. <laughs> yeah, and it's making a comeback now. Yeah, I would I just double bag that shit, man. That's all I'm saying. Just you know, just double bag it. Bad. No, do not fuck whores in alleys. <laughs> Get a room, you savage. I love how you have to say that in 2022 now, you know? I, me, me too, Quentin. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done talking. I'll put, put myself on mute for the rest yeah, back of the Back on mute. Back on mute. I, don't, I honestly don't know what the year has to do with it. Just, just yeah. don't fuck whores in alleys. Yeah, that was sound advice no matter what decade it is. Hmm. Right, I'm sorry. Let's see here. Uh, I'm not going to read that story. We're not uh, the banter on this one's crap. Uh, <laughs> Jesus! <laughs> I had another shot across the bow. I had well, I had another story I was going to bring up, and then I'm just like, okay, we're not there with banter. So let's I'm super uh, curious now. Well, yeah, just say it. I won't say a word. I promise, Brian. 
Oh, in the year 2022, I can't believe Brian's not bringing up stories. Right, Quentin? Oh, I just... It was a generic comment possible. <laughs> That's why I put myself on mute the first time. I think, like, oh, Quentin, keep drinking. Quentin has, like, a Rolodex of just stupid shit he can say, doesn't he, Jake? And he just flips <laughs> through it, and he's like, ah, in the year 2020. <laughs> <laughs> It's here in an awkward situation, so my wife, who viewers viewers of my YouTube channel know, is Handy Jill. She's the sweetest person on earth. She just doesn't understand podcast like etiquette, so she just brought me a fucking ice cream sundae. As as if I'm gonna, and now I've got to decide whether to eat this ice cream sundae before it melts and what the impact is as I'm trying to talk to yeah, you. It's pod- like the last thing in the world you want to eat while you're trying to podcast other than spaghetti probably. There, this, podcasting with you is, is a challenge, Greg. It's, it's, I'm sorry. <laughs> and it's, and it's, there's outside forces now involved. Like first off, it was, it was your internet and now you've got family members preparing you chocolate Sundays while on the podcast. It's chocolate Sunday podcast. It's chocolate Sunday podcast day. <laughs> What the fuck is going on here? It's a unique feeling loving a podcast for and, many, many years. And she's like – And then being a guest and feeling like you're just fucking the whole podcast up. That's a unique – Bro, yes. I'm there. Greg, we can we can share this. Handy Joe was like, well, Greg, I, to keep it the theme of the podcast, I put boysenberry on it for you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Handy it's Jill. Sn- it's a snozberry Sunday. Yeah. Mm. Okay. God damn it. Let's uh <laughs> <laughs> What is going are you eating this Sunday? What is going on? <laughs> He's eating a Sunday. No, I'm not. He's eating <laughs> I heard Trumpy. <laughs> not only not only do we have to take a break every fucking forty minutes because of Jake's goddamn bladder, but now I gotta take a break so you can finish a chocolate Sunday. <laughs> not eating it. <laughs> no, oh man. Well, Jake I, hey, Greg, go ahead and eat it because we're gonna move into good pop pat pop. The first thing I didn't have either of you guys watch, so uh we'll take a break and we're gonna come back with good pop bad pop. I'm back. I noticed you didn't head over to popcultureleftovers.threadless.com to buy a shirt. So, I've named this Batman Housekeeper, and I'm going to rub my little spermidator all over its tightly woven threads until you purchase a PCL shirt. Come with me if you want to live. <laughs> Give it nice and come. Oh, 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 yes, very proud of yourself. <laughs> All right, hey, we are back, and it is now time for Good Pop, Bad Pop. Stop for more leftover reviews with Good Pop. Bad Pop! Good Pop, Bad Pop is where we talk about the things of the previous week and or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things, and if this is your first time listening, we'd like you to be familiar with our rating system. 
The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success—a Tupperware party. All right, yeah. First thing we're going to be talking about—we actually have a special guest that has joined the call—is、uh, the new movie that is out now in theaters and actually took second in the box office last week, which is freaking amazing. I think it made fifteen to seventeen million. Came in second after the Batman, but it's the new anime Jujutsu Kaisen Zero, the new movie that just came out, and we're joined by Michelle. Welcome back, Michelle. Hello, listeners. Hello, Brian. Hello, and Hello, yeah.、Um, so yeah, I got a chance to see this on Sunday, and I'm a big fan of the anime. And this is based on the manga series. It's the prequel to Jujutsu Kaisen manga. It's created by Gigi Akatsumi.、Uh, it was directed by Sunghoo Park and written by Hiroshi Siku. And The story is Yuta Akatsu gains control of an extremely powerful cursed spirit and gets enrolled in the Tokyo Prefectural Jujutsu High School by sorcerers to help him control his power and keep an eye on him. And、uh, I was really excited for this one, and I didn't follow it as much as you apparently, Michelle. I just kind of like went in, not really knowing what I was getting into, other than the fact that it was a prequel and I'd been watching, you know, the series. And、um, I'll, I'll just start off by saying that、uh, I I absolutely loved this. I thought it was phenomenal. I'm going to give this an absolute Tupperware. I, I really really enjoyed this quite a bit, and I was really surprised、uh, to see because I hadn't been following this. I was really surprised to see some of the students that we encounter. In、uh, Jujutsu Kaisen, make an appearance in this movie, so it's an absolute Tupperware for me. Jake, have you watched the series? Did you watch the movie? I saw the movie. I had only seen the first two episodes of the series. Okay, and what do you think about the movie?、Um, I liked it quite a lot. It was a high taste it for me.、Um, I really appreciated that. I never felt like. Isolated from the story because I didn't watch the entire first season of the show. I was kind of a little bit worried about that, but I mean, I'm sure there's some stuff that would have been enhanced by watching all the show. But it felt like a complete story from beginning to end that I could follow.、Um, I was expecting just to see a little bit more action than I saw, which is the only thing keeping me from giving it a Tupperware. But I, but I enjoyed it quite a lot. It's always such a treat to、uh, see this kind of animation in the theater on the big screen. It, it's few and far between. When I get that opportunity, and I, I always love that. Yeah, uh, uh, Michelle, what do you think? I、um, I actually thought this was a Tupperware. Also,、um, I watched Jujutsu Kaisen for the first time a few months ago. I probably watched about fifty to sixty animes in the last six months or so, and it was one of the first. So I actually restarted. I, I actually did a restart recently. I'm not fully through it, but、um, in the first season of Jujutsu Kaisen. The students, the second year students, do talk about Yuta, who is the main character, and they kind of revere him. And I didn't pick up on that in the first time I watched it. And Gojo actually talks about him as well as being、um, somebody who could potentially rival his power at some point. But、um, 
knowing that he's somebody who's been brought up quite a few times, um, it was really nice to meet him for the first time. And I really fell in love with Yuda um, as a new character. I can't wait for him to be brought back into the show, um, into the main story. And I'm excited to see what um, he can do without Rika, who was the cursed spirit. Yeah. Um, and even though this was a prequel, the story... Um, even though it was a prequel, the stakes were, the stakes felt really high for some reason. And I thought the action was cool. I think Ghetto is a really great villain to have. Um, he hates non-sorcerers so much that he feels the need to like sanitize himself after just being in their presence. Um, I really loved the, di- the dynamics between Utah and the three um, students that we already know, uh, Mika, Panda, and uh, Inumaki. Oh, yeah. And I really love the relationship between him and Inumaki. Um, I, I guess I only had two kind of little nitpicks, but it's still a Tupperware for me. I went, I went into this thinking that this would be a more Gojo-centric story. Um, I had only really seen the trailer and I haven't read the manga at all. It's on my list, but like I have like a million things on my to be read list. So, um, I really, I was hoping this would be more Gojo centric. He's my favorite character. He's actually one of my favorite anime characters. I always really love the like sensei type characters and he's one of my favorites because he's just so silly, but, um, he's actually had like kind of a, crazy like he's he's actually the most powerful sorcerer in the whole world um but anyways and without itadori who's the main character in the first season it was kind of lacking in the humor that i grew to really love um those were really my only two nitpicks but i thought it really made up for it with the action and i really loved the storyline between yuta and rika yeah, that was like, that's what I really loved about it was the storyline between, I mean, getting introduced to a new character and I had totally forgotten that they'd even mentioned him because I was watching this week to week. And so, and I, these episodes came out in like March of last year. And so I totally forgot that they had brought him up at all. And it's hard uh, because they just mentioned him by a name and you don't really know. You hear yeah. you, Utah and then it's like, Who's Utah? You don't know him. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. And but after 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 seeing Tokyo, um, after seeing Jujutsu Kaisen Zero, and then seeing these episodes, he's mentioned like so many different times. I can't even believe it. He's actually in the the. I I think he's in the second opening sequence. Like it shows him with uh, Miguel. I don't I don't know <laughs> it, for like half a second. I just saw it on TikTok earlier today, and I'm like. He, how is he even in the opening? He's not in the season. <laughs> it's it's just, I just thought it was a really I, I thought it was a really good story as far as you've got you've got Utah and he's got a childhood friend, this girl, and they promise to marry each other. And then six years, um, uh, six years prior to like the story, she dies in a car accident, and um, at that point, she's basically a, a this demon uh rika that uh that he really doesn't have any control of and he's a very what do they call him a special grade sorcerer yeah she's a um he's a special grade sorcerer and she's actually the queen of curses 
that's how powerful she is. And the thing is, is that um, Gojo was investigating how she was even created. And it turns out that it was Yuta and his feelings. Um, and curses actually come from negative emotions. And the fact that he could create such a huge curse is really amazing, in my opinion. Well, I was reading, and he I guess he's like distantly related to Gojo, Yuta is. Yes. Yeah. I thought that that was interesting because that, the, that family has a lot, you know, very powerful lineage. Yes, then. there's three powerful <laughs> jujitsu families and gojos are definitely one of them. But yeah, seeing this in the theater, I thought it was incredible. I was so happy to see, you know, Maki and Unamaki and Panda show up in this because I love them in the series. I love Unamaki. Just like he, I get a kick out of him. He's a cursed speech user and, um, Every and when he communicates, he he communicates with uh, what is it? Uh, rice ball ingredients. Rice ball ingredients. So he'll say stuff like bonito flakes and salmon roe, <laughs> tuna, mustard leaf, all these things. Because if he says anything else, um, his his uh, cursed speech is so powerful it could kill someone. So I I really loved seeing those characters show up. But this is an absolute Tupperware. If you're watching Jujutsu Kaisen or if you've never seen it, I would recommend watching the anime, though. I think it enhances your experience of watching the movie if you've, if you've watched the anime. Um, but Me and Michelle uh, had an interesting experience where the uh, family of the voice actor that played Yuta, the main character in this, was actually in our audience. And, the English uh, voice actor. Yeah, the, 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 the dub. And uh, it was just really fun seeing how excited they were to uh, see their daughter on a big screen anime movie. And we talked to them for just a minute or so. They were definitely uh, proud parents, ha- you know, having seen yeah, it was that. a they- crazy run in at like five o'clock in the afternoon on in Peoria hmm. at the movie theater. <laughs> oh, that's very cool. Yeah. Oh, God. I love I, I absolutely love this show. Do we uh, do we know when we're getting a second season? Has it been announced? No, MAPPA is really stretched kind of thin. Um, they're, they're, they do Attack on Titan. I've been waiting for a second season of Yuri on Ice. That's that's been over for years, but they have a movie that's been in production for like four years. They have a new show coming out called Dance, Dance, Dancer. I think that's their next show, but they're notorious. Mappa Studios is notorious for like stretching out their, um, their production so thin and their workers are overworked and under, I don't know. That's just rumor mill. I don't really know for sure, but that's what they're saying is that, um, they really put out a lot. Yeah. They, They put in too much time really, but no, we don't have a, an announcement for a second season. I know that they're re-airing the first season again on in Japan. Um, and I, we just got some artwork for that. But um, one of the things I really wanted to talk about was that it was really interesting. I don't know how much you know about um, Gojo and Ghetto, but um, they actually went to school together. And that's how they know each other. And Ghetto is actually Gojo's like only friend because Gojo, from the moment he was born, he was the strongest jujitsu sorcerer and he kind of was treated that way as the strongest jujitsu sorcerer. Nobody really treated him like a person. And it wasn't until he went to jujitsu high that 
um, he got a friend for the first time. And that's, it was really interesting. I noticed that they both called each other by their first names, um, which, you know, usually if you watch enough anime, you'll know that it's really special to call somebody by their first name. And even though they were enemies at this point, they still did that. And I thought that was kind of touching in a way. And um, I got really excited. I seen reactions for people when the Kyoto high students showed up, like Toto and um, and uh, Mia, and I don't know if that's her name. And but they're from. We know them from the story arc with the. If you watch the first season, the mm-hmm. Kyoto Sisterhood Goodwill event, when they're like supposed to be fighting each other. Um, but Toto is like a kind of a fan favorite. Oh, I love Toto. <laughs> I love Toto. Totally. I like the so the whole. I'm like clapping. I'm like nobody else is clapping. In the it's theater. <laughs> it's like yeah. When he showed up, like you know, I was just like, oh my god, it's Toto because I love him. He his um, uh, his, what kind of girl do you like? Yeah, what kind of girl do you like? And like best friend, always calling him yes. <laughs> his best friend. I absolutely get a kick out of that character. I and he oh god, he's like he looks like a young Hayachi from Tekken. He's just super jacked. Yeah, he really is. He's, but he's really funny. I, I always really appreciate him. And I got really excited to see them. And, um, Nanami, who is in the first season, um, he's apparently not even in the manga, this arc in the manga. And they added him. He's kind of a fan favorite. So I did appreciate that also. Cause I, I, I do like Nanami a lot. Yeah, she showed me some footage where, and she's not joking. It was like in-game level reactions to this character showing up on screen, like everyone standing up and just hooting and hollering. And <laughs> I'm like, this I, is how I felt on the inside, but I just clapped alone, <laughs> 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 quietly clapped. <laughs> That's so awesome. I just didn't have the knowledge of these characters to know that that would like elicit such a reaction. But it, it was wild to see. I mean, well, yeah, it was like you know. Th- we're already like well into the movie and they show up and I was like, I was like, holy shit, this is awesome. Yeah. They were really unexpected. Very unexpected. I had no idea that they were going to show up in the movie. I was super excited. So it was, it was one of those things when you say like prequel, I'm just thinking we're really not going to explore like a lot of the characters that I've come to love on Jujutsu Kaisen. And then Mm -hmm. it really was like, and it didn't feel like fan service. It felt like this is just, we're getting a glimpse at like what happened before and so and i love it and i the i'm very excited after the mid-credits scene about what we could expect from season two it's really exciting i want to talk about this well i don't want to spoil it though so okay well the end credit scene um i i don't without spoiling too much i want to know what yuta was doing with him because in the show he's being it's claimed that he's training overseas is he training or is he spying? I don't really know. And I'm really excited to find out. I just feel like the one character has switched sides now. Has he? I, that's what he, did he just meet Gojo and be like, okay, I bow to you because you're the best. I think, I think we've done a time jump here and things have changed and, and maybe he's, you know, that that particular character switched sides and we'll see what happens going forward. Or maybe he was already on that side. I don't know. I, I really just don't know. So yeah, we'll we'll see. I'm just really excited to see how when this character shows back up again, it'll be almost kind of like, um, you know, in the first season 
where they all thought, oh, what's his name? Um, they thought they thought he was dead. The the sorcerer that we follow, I can't remember his name. Itadori. Itadori. Yeah, everybody yeah, when, was when Sakuna ripped out his heart. <laughs> yeah, everybody thought he was dead, and he comes back. So I mean, yeah, I'm that t- scene was hilarious. Yeah. So I absolutely Tupperware. If you're a huge fan of the series, I highly recommend it. Definitely going yeah, out to see this if, one. Or if you just see this movie, you don't need to see the show to see this movie. If you see this movie, you should really watch the show. I, I really love this show. I don't watch a ton of action anime. I do watch some, um, but this is definitely top tier for me as far as action anime goes. Oh God. Yeah. I, I, that's pretty much all I watch is the action anime, and this is definitely up there for me. I absolutely yeah, love see, it. Yeah, see, I also like drama and slice of life. I think I like drama and slice of life a little bit more. Like, I just watched Erased on that. Oh, I love that. Erased. That was awesome. Yeah, one season, it's a complete story, and... um yeah, they made a live action version of it. I think you can watch it on Netflix. I tried watching it. It's not as good, but yeah, no, <laughs> no, that erased is fucking incredible. I love the drama stuff, but typically it's like yeah. a movie that I watch. I'm not watching a weekly series. Yeah. Anime that does it. And Erase did it well because it was just one season. It was a complete mm-hmm. story and I loved Erase. I liked The Promise Neverland, which is two seasons, but it's over. It's uh, done. F- and that was a really good show. First yeah. season was incredible. The second season just did not hold up in my opinion. Yeah. But I loved that. That first season was incredible. I loved the whole series though. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it blew my mind at one point. I was like, no way. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, this kind of... Uh, what I like about the curse is it kind of reminds me a little bit, as much as it's action, I know I want to compare it most to like Tokyo Ghoul, but it's a lot funnier than Tokyo Ghoul, but it has like that kind of horror element to it because the curses are like really crazy, <laughs> kind of like the ghouls. But oh, yeah, yeah, I don't really, yeah, but yeah, I like, I like drama, slice of life, but I do like some action and Jujutsu Kaisen is probably one of my favorites. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you're a fan of anime, fan of action anime, go see this in the theater. It's definitely worth the 12 to 15 bucks the ticket costs. So I, yeah, it's a Tupperware for me. I, I, and I can't wait for season two. I hope it gets announced soon. Yeah, I know. It'll probably be 2000. See, they keep pushing stuff back. Like I thought we were going to get the Black Clover movie this year, but apparently it's going to be next year. So even when they tell us, I'm going to be like, okay, if you say 2023, I'm going to expect December of 2023. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the very end of 2023. When I got into okay. anime, I had no idea that it was like this. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought it would be just like you'd get a new season every year. Yeah. But apparently it's like some shows, you don't, they're not, they're not done fully, but you never know if they're ever going to come back with a second season. Like one of my favorite shows, Yona of the Dawn and Ancient Magus Bride, like both of those are open ended, but they have continually, uh, they have continuous stories in the manga that they could keep going, but who knows? They're not, it's not done. My biggest <laughs> fear is I fall like four years ago. <laughs> my biggest fear is when I fall in love with an anime and then basically the only reason they made that first season was to make a push for the people to read the manga and they have no plans on doing a second season. Yeah, they do that. I feel like they do that more with the, <laughs> the shoju stuff, which is the girl stuff. Like I said, like ancient Magus Bride and Yona of the Dawn. Because I don't think it pulls as much numbers on the views. And I think 
um, just showing us one season will get us to go out and buy. Like I started collecting manga and those are two of the titles I started collecting. The, th- the third and fourth are also, uh, you know, female inspired, you know, shows that I really loved. But with the, like with the action fantasy stuff, they'll keep continuing to make it because it, it draws a crowd. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, very excited that it won. Uh, well, it didn't win, but it got second in the box office, which is huge. That is really huge for anime because, um, the Demon Slayer movie came out just last year and, um, it didn't do. It performed well though. It performed well, but Jujutsu Kaisen is actually performing even better. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, things have opened up a little bit more too. So I yeah. agree with that. The climate for movie going is definitely yeah. better. For yeah. this movie than it was for Demon Slayer. Absolutely. But, but Demon Slayer was like, it was up there in the, in the box office, even in the US box office. It was mm-hmm. up there. But yeah, it might not be pulling in the numbers of Jujutsu Kaisen, but, um. People really credit the pandemic for, um, the rise in anime popularity. And, um, I noticed, I mean, I don't know if that's what contributes to it. People are just home and binging stuff and, finally taking those suggestions that their wondered friend gives them and falling in love well, <laughs> in world. and i think it's you know there's a lot of good animes that you can and i'm not talking about netflix animes because i don't really watch a lot of those but i think hulu gets some of the you know Crunchyroll stuff and mm-hmm. and a lot of people actually, have access to ne- it there. Netflix has all uh, actually has a big catalog like, oh i know i don't watch any of it though they get JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, they have, yeah. which is really popular. Um, Eden Zero, which is made by the same people who do, um, Fairy Tale. And if you like fan service, that's one of the most fan service shows I've ever seen. <laughs> but I still enjoyed it regardless of the fan service. And I just watched, uh, Kodoro Lives Alone, which was both heartbreaking and heartwarming at the same time. And, um, they have wholesome stuff. They have artsy stuff. But yeah, Netflix is a good place. I just mostly watch most of my stuff on Funimation Crunchyroll, though. Yeah, I, I have the Verve app, and they have all the Crunchyroll stuff there, and that's really where I'm getting all my stuff. So um, Amazon Prime also has stuff. I'm oh yeah, watching, I'm, I'm watching Banana Fish there. I watch. So. Uh, I'm waiting on the second season of Vinland Saga from Amazon. Oh yeah, that's coming out soon. I yeah, because I love Vinland Saga. That is an incredible. I, that's on my that's on my to watch list. I just have a hard time. Um, I, I watch, um, I watch dub because I have like attention issues and it's just easier for me to not be, um, chained to watching my TV to know exactly what's going on at all times. So, um, but on prime, they don't have any, they don't have any dub. So Ah. you have to kind of just sit in front of your TV and watch the whole time, which is fine. I know a lot of people really love, prefer sub over dub, but you know, so that's why I go slower through the prime shows because I can't just sit and for four hours in front of my TV and just do nothing else. Yeah, you should definitely watch Vinland Saga. Like as far as yeah. like anime and like, well, it's it's just a really cool Viking story, and I, I you don't see a lot of that in anime. It's really cool. No, and I, I love Viking more. So yeah, yeah, and I hear I have heard it's really great. It's fucking awesome. It's, it's a lot of people's favorite. It's fucking awesome. I can, I saw the trailer for the new Alexander Skarsgård movie, The Northman, mm-hmm. and yeah, I was, I'm hype. 
That's it, my most anticipated movie of the year, actually. Well, I'm not a fan. Of, I'm not a fan of the director. I I, di- I don't like the lighthouse or whatever the fuck that thing was called. And so and I, so, but this trailer looks fucking incredible. The trailer for that looks fucking awesome. Like there's that scene where like he's at the wall, they're getting ready to attack, and the guy fucking throws the spear at him, and he fucking catches it and then tosses it back at that motherfucker, stakes him right in the chest. I'm just like. This looks fucking badass, and it's got Anya Taylor-Joy in it. She looks like she's going to be fucking awesome in that movie, and I can't wait for that one. But it's 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 like a, it feels like it's a lot of it. Some of it felt like it was pulled from like you know Vinland Saga, where it's like you've got this young boy whose father was killed by someone close to the family, and, and he's going to exact revenge on this person later on in life, and that's a lot of what Vince Vinland Saga is and so really looking forward to the Northmen though but yeah it's possible that that's actually real Norse mythology um, mythological story I read a lot of fantasy and a lot of it is actually pulled from um, stories from you know old lore yeah so yeah I'm, I'm always most those are actually my favorite stories so if I, I would actually look into it and if that's the case I probably would really like it even more than I'm expecting it's Freaking awesome. And it's super violent. <laughs> and I love that. I love that, man. Oh my god. Some of the Oh my favorite slice of life, so apparently I'm gonna really love this violent Viking show. Oh. I, I'm sure I will. Oh, it's so good. It's so <laughs> fucking good. Net. It's so fucking good. Anyway. Alright, Michelle, we gotta wrap this part of the podcast up. We got so much other stuff we gotta cover in Good Pop, Bad Pop, but I wanted to thank you for coming on with all of your knowledge of Jujutsu Kaisen and, uh, making this review better than I would have, <laughs> than I would have contributed. So thank you so much. That's great. Thank you so much for asking me. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I was like, I, 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 cause I was shocked cause I, I brought Jujutsu Kaisen up in the, in the Tupperwares. Um, this year for, for one of my favorite, uh, animated shows of last year. And Jake was like, Oh my God, Michelle fucking adores that show. So I was like, okay, cool. Well, let's yeah, have her on to talk it. about it. I, yeah. It's best. It's, it's one of the best. It's really, really good. So highly recommend Jujutsu Kaisen. Thank you, Michelle. And we are going to move on. Thank you. Have a great day, guys. Yes. Bye, Michelle. Bye. All right, uh, Jake, real quick, I wanted to talk about what we did last night. We went to uh, the Normal Theater in uh, Bloomington Normal, and uh, we caught uh, an evening inside the room with Greg Sestero, uh, and they played the uh, cult classic The Room, and uh, Greg Sestero, star of The Room and author of The Disaster Artist, uh, was there for a Q&A and hung out and... And uh, we all got to watch the room uh, with a with pretty much I think pretty almost a sold out crowd if not sold out. Um, and uh, this was your first time seeing the room. It was my first time seeing the room. Yeah, yeah I man, dude, this was one of my all time greatest entertainment experiences. Actually, I I was blown away at how much fucking fun I had at this thing. Um, you know, I. I expected it to be a good time, but I did not expect it to be just as electric as it was. It was just such an awesome way to see such a terrible movie for the first time. Like, I I really had no idea how much of a very Rocky Horror Picture Show-esque appeal that this movie had 
begun to draw like just all the participation and all the yelling and everyone just kind of doing the mystery science 3000 thing out loud and wow it was so much fun and it was so weird like when i realized that was going to happen i was initially scared i was like oh man i haven't seen this movie it's going to ruin it having all these people like yell all these like in jokes that i'm not going to like have any idea what's going on but very quickly i realized it was the exact opposite it really just enhanced the shit out of this movie for me and it was just so fucking funny and i don't know it'd be weird to go into another reality where i watched this thing for the first time like sitting by myself on the couch i i don't know what i would think it was it was it was just wild um i thought the the director he wasn't the director but the uh the co-star of the movie greg sestaro is that how you say greg sestaro i thought he was just incredible um really great and gracious with the crowd and and yeah wow this was just one of the greatest entertainment experiences i've I've ever had it was it was so much fun and so unique and just so out of out of left field for me yeah i i had a blast too man it was really awesome i dude i didn't know that they did that with the spoons yeah it was wild they, they didn't know what to put in one of their picture frames, so they just put a like a picture of a spoon in there. And every time that spoon picture would come up on screen, there would be clouds of spoons flying through the air. Like everyone brought like handfuls of plastic spoons. Like had I known, I'd have brought a couple boxes of plastic spoons. Dude, if they ever do this again, we're we're showing up with spoons. Oh yeah, yeah. No one's running out of spoons before me if I go to this again. <laughs> Oh my god, it was, dude, the, the crowd was just like super rambunctious and having a great time and hitting all the lines. I did not hit there. Oh hi Mark. It was beautiful. Like the whole, <laughs> the whole experience was, um, Greg, have you ever seen The Room? I have. It's been quite a while, but I have seen it. Yeah. Yeah. Quentin, have you ever seen it? By the way, how's your sex life? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. I love this movie. I watched it a lot. Uh, not recently, but I, I think it was when Brie Larson was coming out with her movie Room. And I was like, and it like showed up, I think, on Amazon Prime. I was looking for Brie Larson's room. And I saw the room right next to it with, um, you know, uh, Tommy Wiseau's face. I was like, that's intriguing. And so I just watched that instead. And I was like, oh, oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. The first time I saw it, I was actually at a uh, Riff Tracks event and saw it at the Riff Tracks event. And then I've seen it since. And I, this is just the third time I've seen it. But it was. Yeah. The Riff Tracks thing is almost kind of the same experience, right? Because some of the things that people yelled in our crowd as like jokes will forever be cemented in my mind as like part of this movie experience. Like some yeah. of the things people were yelling were just as funny if not more funny than than what i was watching on screen so it's kind of forever going to be in unison in my mind like when i watch this again i'm going to remember some of the hilarious one-liners that i heard screamed out next to me (laughs) jake i do have a question did they did they ever say like close the door yes uh yeah there was like yeah so many people go in and out of the door and there was lots of yelling (laughs) hello and goodbye to everyone which i found hilarious (laughs) Um, every time the mom would leave, she would always boop her daughter on the nose and the entire crowd would yell boop. And I mean, that'll forever be cemented into my brain. Like just the the participation was hilarious. I, every time they would throw the football, the crowd would count how many throws were happening with the football. When we got that shot, the the shot of the golden gate bridge. 
and it kept, <laughs> you know, it kept going from left to right. They would go, everybody would scream, go, 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 go. And if it got all the way to the end, they'd all cheer. Yeah. <laughs> but if it cut off early and you didn't get to see the whole bridge, people would be like, oh. <laughs> I knew some of the phenomenons going on with that, and so that's really cool that you guys got to experience that, especially for you, Jake, for it being the first time. Yeah, I mean that I can't imagine that deterring your your and um, good God entertainment value throughout the whole thing. That's awesome. Yeah, it was it was wild. Um, they showed like a twenty minute making of video before the movie, which was a little bit unfortunate. Like it was very interesting. Don't get me wrong, but I would have preferred seeing that at the end of the movie having not seen the movie before because it it totally spoiled what happens at the end of the movie (laughs) before i even knew what was going to happen and i tell you what there is no way i would have predicted the final fate of of tommy was in this movie (laughs) without having seen it spoiled i i I wish i could have had that experience and just been like oh my god (laughs) (laughs) that's amazing oh man i like i seriously am so glad you got to experience that jig yeah it it was wild i well worth it well worth the time and the drive and the money i like wow i I can't wait to see it in the theater again i don't know if i ever do want to see this movie alone on the couch it almost seems like it's do this or bust to me (laughs) yeah if they do if they bring this back man if if they bring this back i i'm definitely going again it was a blast and I'm showing up with a fuck ton of spoons, man. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> for sure. But yeah. Yeah. Check it. Check it out. Like do a Google search for an evening inside the room with Greg Sestero and see if you have this uh, come into your town or close to you. I definitely highly recommend the drive to, to do this. It's a fun experience. And bring some people with you and bring some plastic spoons. It's fun. <laughs> There was one girl behind us that seemed legit, not joking, offended by the entire experience. And that oh, really cracked me on. up, too. I didn't catch that. Oh, man. She was making, like, comments that weren't jokes but were still funny because of just how hateful she was being about the whole thing. Like, she was mad at her company for bringing – she was like, ugh, this feels like I'm on drugs. And she's like, oh, she was getting very upset at all the uh, gratuitous sex, like, legit. (laughs) That's everywhere uh, in this. Oh, man. It was it was very, very fucking comical. I, I would kill to be able to go back in time and just hear all of her reactions to this thing because it was pretty funny. Oh, my God. Uh, Quentin, I got a question for you. You you watched X. What did you think about X? Oh, my God. I loved it. I cannot wait to see what uh, they're going to do with the prequel and then apparently a sequel. Um, Mia Goth was like such a standout for me. I am I'm. Super excited to see what she does with this prequel. Um, I loved it. I gave it, I think, because uh, I saw it on and I reviewed it with uh, the Cinecast people. So using it for your guys' rating, I mean, I give this a straight up Tupperware, yeah. like the highest of Tupperwares. This was such a like true form back into like um, the like slasher horror genre that I've definitely missed. Oh, it was so good. I loved X. I just, I, I, I just wanted to hear what your thoughts were on it. So I'm glad that you loved it as much as I did. And, yeah. um, I'm, uh, still watching just for let people know, I'm still watching the, uh, super pumped, the battle for Uber with, uh, Joseph Gordon Levitt. And starting in episode three is where you get Tarantino, Quentin Tarantino, uh, doing the narration. So that happens in episode three. He also does it in episode four. And in episode four, when he starts to narrate, uh, they introduce Uma Thurman's character, 
in the series. So it's kind of wild to hear Tarantino and see her on screen knowing that they worked together on the Kill Bill series. So, yeah, I still enjoying that show. And Joseph Gordon-Levitt is getting better at it. And, oh, my God, the guy, the guy he's playing from Uber is just such a fucking prick. I, I hate him more every episode. I hate him more every episode. And I love Kyle Chandler's character more every episode. So it's, yeah, yeah, they're just, it's a great show. So if you have Showtime, check out Super Pump, The Battle for Uber. Uh, and I'm still loving Winning Time. Anybody watching Winning Time? Still on Winning Time? I have not I'm watched any more. Oh, sorry about that, Jake. You're fine. Yeah, I was just going to say I'm, I'm I'm waiting for it to stack up on episodes and then kind of burn through it all at once. Okay. All right. I highly recommend it. It's really fucking good. Uh, the last episode, Adrian Bro- Brody shows up as uh, Pat Riley. And he's it's really, wow. it's really good. It's really good. Jake, I did go see The Lost City. Yeah. The Channing Tatum. Um, yeah, it's Channing Tatum, Sandra Bullock, and Daniel Radcliffe. And uh, I'm not going to talk about it too much. I It's directed by Aaron and Adam Knee. And these are the guys who are, I guess they're still attached to that live action He-Man movie that... Uh, Probably won't happen for Netflix, but um, I liked it, man. I'll give it a high taste. It it was fun. It was actually really fun. I quite enjoyed it. Me and Michelle are planning on seeing this uh, either Sunday or next Friday. Yeah, Brad Pitt is really fucking good in it. Yeah, I, I'd forgotten Daniel Radcliffe was in it. How was he? He's fine. He's fine. He's a, he's actually a good villain. He look. He's got a beard in this one, and if you look at him, he looks like a. Uh, he looks like a skinny Zach Galifianakis with that beard. <laughs> That's funny. I can see it. I can see it's it. It's wild. The whole time I was just like, he looks like sex. You know, and Greg Sestero looks like sexy Owen Wilson, doesn't he? <laughs> I agree with that too. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to, I, I, there's part of me that wanted to tell him that. Like, you look like Owen Wilson without that. You look like a sexy Owen Wilson without that fucked up nose. Yeah, I, you know what? I I just couldn't get the gumption to ask a question or go up and talk to him. I, I the movie was so interesting and good that by the end of it, I was kind of intimidated by him, and he, <laughs> he seemed very just natural and easygoing too. So it was just kind of my own insecurities. Who's who's op- who's opening a, a Hershey's Kiss over there? Yeah, jeez. You know, you you know. Now that stopped, somebody knows they were doing it. <laughs> it stopped, and they knew they were doing it. Uh, but nobody's gonna fess up to it. I think it's hundred uh, percent Greg. I think it's Quentin. What? <laughs> <laughs> <I> was muted. <laughs> I saw that Quentin was muted. I'm Quentin's alibi here. Oh, no, it wasn't, I, 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 wasn't me. <laughs> okay, Shaggy. <laughs> it wasn't me. It wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> Greg, you are you just, you're a podcasting nightmare, sir. <laughs> I, you know, I'm just really sorry. <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing? Over All right, let's talk about let's talk about. Whew, whew, this is Jake. This episode is smooth sailing. I thought we had just gotten better too. Like we got think, out of our rut, things were yeah. going good, and then yeah. Greg just ruined everything. What, 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 <laughs> so earlier, Greg's wife handed him a chocolate sundae while we we're recording. It was a uh, car- caramel sundae, just to stick to the facts here. I'm okay, caramel what? sundae. Now, did she hand you a Christmas gift or something? <laughs> no, that was uh, that was a frame that had a little 
like that little plastic wrap over it and it was bothering me because it had a scratch in it. So I tore it off. I forgot that I wasn't on mute. <laughs> what and a time I, to start ripping I'm apart plastic. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am, I am very sorry. I thought I was on mute. I apologize to all oh, of the boy. listeners. In the year 2022, Greg decides to rip a bunch of plastic. <laughs> you did. Quentin's like, oh, shit, you stole my antidote. It's the next slide I was going to say, actually. <laughs> all right. All right, let's talk about a new, a new series that dropped, and they dropped all six episodes uh, of uh, The Tourist on HBO Max. A man wakes up in the Australian outback with no recollection of who he is, and he must try to piece together his memory as merciless figures from his past pursue him. It stars Jamie Dornan. I've been, you know what? I've been a Jamie big, Dornan's great. Been a big fan of Jamie Jamie Dornan lately. Um, he did. Uh, I thought he was great in Barb and Star. Uh, I thought he Hilarious. was fantastic in uh, Synchronic. Uh, he was great in Belfast, and here he is in The Tourist. And uh, big fan of Jamie Dornan. I'm, I'm Jake. I'm, I'm becoming a big time Jamie Dornan fan. Um, yep. we also got Danielle McDonald in this, uh, is, uh, Helen Chambers, Constable Helen Chambers. And then I also wanted to point out Damon Harriman is in this. He plays, uh, Detective Inspector Lachlan Rogers. And, uh, he played Charles Manson in both Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and in Mind Hunter season two. And, um, I think he's a fantastic actor. So basically this story, this story starts off in this show. You've got, uh, it starts off with the uh, Jamie Dornan. He's driving a car and then all of a sudden a semi truck is behind him and starts honking at him and then starts speeding up, ramming into him. And then the chase pursues. He gets slammed by the semi truck, goes flying off the road. And then he wakes up and has no memory of who he is at all. Does not remember his name, nothing. And you're kind of like learning about this guy's past as he's learning about his past. And this all takes place in Australia. And um, uh, I want to hear your thoughts on this. Uh, Greg, did you get a chance to watch this one? I watched the first episode. Okay. Um I watched all six, so I'm curious what you thought after the first episode. I I might be the lone person here. I really struggled to get through even the first episode. Um, I had to watch it in three different sittings because it felt to me personally like it just took too long to kind of hook me into the mystery. Um, for me, it was roughly like 45 minutes into the first hour of the pilot where I really started to get enough reward for my time to really start to be intrigued by the mystery. And that's about the time we started to see, you know, figure out who that was that was driving the truck. One of the things I struggled with personally, I, I loved uh, Danielle McDonald's performance as Helen Chambers, but I struggled with the tone of the character because it's almost like she had this very flippant reaction to this guy having a massive head injury and having amnesia. But I didn't find it necessarily like funny or charming. It was just odd. It's like here's this guy that almost got killed, and he's got no memory. And she's like, "It's my first day in the job," <laughs> and it just didn't land with me at all. It just felt weird. Um, so I, uh, I seem to be the only person that doesn't like this show. I, 
I don't think I'll continue. And I really had to work to get through that first episode. So I'd give it a low taste it. And that's just because at the end of that first episode, I started to get what felt like a little bit of reward for my time and enough to sort of keep me mildly interested in the mystery. But it was it was hard for me to get through that episode. Okay, Uh, Jake, what do you think? Uh, I watched the first two episodes of this, and uh, for the first episode, I had the exact opposite reaction of of Greg. I I thought the first episode was an amazing pilot. It was a Tupperware for me. Um, It had a real fucking humdinger of a cliffhanger, too, that just made me instantly have to watch the next one. Um, And I thought the Helen character, uh, Danielle McDonald, is my favorite character. And I, I, I really love like the stuff going on with her. And I, I think she's insanely charming and, and I'm just very invested and scared for that character going forward. Um, I thought the second episode was a bit of a letdown though. It, as much as I Tupperware the first episode, I'm just at a middle of the road, taste it on the second episode. I, I hope it like, ramps back up really well again but it kind of just really hit the brakes like they had this really great cliffhanger and then it's just a lot of a lot of character stuff and a lot of the character stuff is really good don't get me wrong it's it's not a toss it but i was just knowing this was only a like a six episode miniseries i thought it really just kind of slammed on the brakes on that second episode it's uh, actually overall I, Oh, go ahead. Overall, I'd give this whole thing a high taste it with the first episode being a Tupperware and the second being a taste it. Yeah, I can I, I can only rate it as a collective, to be quite honest with you, because I just I burned through all these. It's a Tupperware for me. I loved it. It's actually it's re, it's been renewed for a second season. Um, They renewed it for season two. So we are going to get a second season. Of this. I love it. And there's so many twists and turns throughout this. You keep finding out new things about him um, you keep finding out new things about different characters. There are just so many swerves in this show. And uh, I, too, loved uh, the character of Constable Helen Chambers. And I lo- uh, the the relationship she has with her boyfriend, uh, fiancé, uh, Ethan, is sometimes infuriating. But, oh, my God, it is definitely worth it to keep watching to see where all of this goes. And... Um, yeah, it's a Tupperware for me. I loved it. I loved it. It's just wild. Um, there's a point in the first episode where you, you just, you see a guy stuck in an oil drum buried underground. You're like, what the fuck is that all about? There's a guy in a oil drum buried underground. And it's like, <laughs> like, what the, what's, what's his story? Like, oh I my didn't God. realize where he was. I must have missed that. Like, I knew he was stuck somewhere, but it didn't click with me that he was in an oil drum. Is that revealed later? And I just didn't pick it up. Or I, yeah, I think it's in the second. It's episode. in the second episode. It's okay. in the second okay. episode. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I thought he was in the trunk of a car or something like that. No, he's underground. He's underground. Um, I think uh, Red Hat guy. Red Hat guy is a really great scary villain too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that guy nails that performance. Like I am threatened for whatever character is having a conversation with that guy every time it happens. Yeah, yeah. He does some straight up kingpin shit in the in the second. It's either the first or second episode. <laughs> oh God, yeah, yeah. Uh, Quentin, what do you think? Um, I watched the first four episodes, and I'm giving this uh, Tupperware as well. I haven't been able to finish it, but. 
Yeah, the guy who plays Billy, the one you were talking about, Jake, his real name is Olafur Dari Olafsson. And That's he, awesome. I know, right? It's such a cool name. And he was menacing. And for everything he does, I really like this show, Brian. Like, I I was, like, going to text you and say thank you for showing me this. Because this would have flew under my radar for sure if I didn't have to watch it for the, sh- for the show. And so, um, yeah, but I obviously didn't want to give away, like, how I felt about it. But... Um, Danielle McDonald, I loved her. And yeah, you guys hit on the head with how Helen Chambers and her boyfriend, uh, Ethan, I was just like, God, you need to get out of that relationship. <laughs> you know, like, I just felt so bad for her. And I really loved like the, uh, not to get into spoilers, but Shalom Brune Franklin as Lucy. I really liked her stuff and how she was connected to, um, as he's known as, uh, the man, Jamie Dornan. So, I'm I'm gonna finish this. I just didn't have the time to, but like I was encapsulated by the first four episodes, and yeah, I'm gonna finish it. And I'm really excited that it's getting a second season. Yeah, I am too. I actually am too. I really am. I think the way it left off, second season, is earned, and I think it'll be really interesting um, going forward. So yeah, I Tupperware um, Tupperware. Uh, the Tourist. It's on HBO Max. It's only six episodes. It's not a huge commitment, unless you're Greg. <laughs> I was just, I was gonna say, Greg, you just gotta like get through that second episode, and yeah. I feel like you're gonna be hooked, man. Like it, there's a lot more with. Um, I don't even know if you meet the character of Billy, the guy with the cowboy hat, in the first episode. Well, so it's interesting you mentioned that, Quentin, because that's. It is, you know, when I mentioned, like, I just started to get rewarded enough, it was really when you meet, so is Billy the villain? I mean, like, yeah, yeah. He's one yeah. of the villains. He's I mean, is he yeah. the guy, the, the, whist, uh, the whistling guy? I mean, that's when I Yes, started he's the whistling like, okay, guy. That, yeah, and I, I did find him menacing, right, in that last 15 minutes, but... I, you know, I felt personally like I had to work too hard in that first episode to get there. <laughs> I, you know, right. I'll give I'll give it another episode. But based on the the your guys' feedback, I'll totally watch the second episode and maybe it'll hook me. Who knows? There's uh, yeah. he's he's actually working for another villain known as Costa, and he's also just an, a, another. Oh my god! Yeah, a very menacing. I villain. love it. I love yeah. it. Uh, I, I can't wait to. Like I said, I've only made it through the first four. I can't wait to see him more like infiltrated in the story and everything. I just, I love all the characters. Oh yeah. They keep introducing. It's just like the two people that play chess. I really liked uh, meeting them. Yeah. All of it was just really fun. Yeah. Highly recommend the tourist guys. It's really good. Um, who, who got a chance to go out to the theater this week and watch infinite storm? I did. I did, I did as well. All right. Uh, infinite storm also known as John is an infinite piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> if you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, yes, uh, as an experienced climber ascends Mount Washington, she turns back before she reaches the summit as a huge blizzard approaches. However, on her way down, she encounters a stranded man and takes it upon herself to get them both down the mountain before nightfall arrives and they succumb to the elements. Uh, it's a drama adventure film directed by Malgorzata Zumowska and Michael Elnglert. Uh, it's screenplay by Josh Rollins is based on the article High Places, Footprints in the Snow Lead to an Emotional Rescue by Ty Gagney. And it stars Naomi Watts, Sophie Okanato, 
Billy Hal, Dennis O'Hare, and Parker Sawyers. And uh, I'll start off by saying I saw the trailer for this in the theater, and I was like, holy shit, based on a true story. This this woman is finds this guy on the top of this mountain, and he's nearly frozen, and it's a it's a rescue story. She's got to bring him down the mountain. His feet are frostbite, and the elements, and I mean, I like a man kind of like versus nature movie, especially based on a true story, and like what we can kind of like overcome. And um, some of these are great. This one is not. Uh, in my opinion, I think that I don't think that the real story, and I think that's what they went for here. I don't think that the real story lends to a great cinematic experience. I think it's probably better told as a documentary, in my opinion. And, um, and it's because of just, you know, it's not at the end of the, it, like at the end of the movie, it's for me, it's just not an uplifting experience. Uh, it's kind of a dour movie and just a sad kind of movie. I, I do think like what this woman did is fucking incredible. It's incredible. But I just, I just didn't leave this movie feeling, um, I, I just didn't get the feeling of, uh, that I, that I really wanted to get from this movie. I felt like it was kind of a, just a huge downer. <laughs> The whole time, um, I'm gonna give it a low taste. It. It's a low taste it for me. I, I, but um, the acting's fine, and I think that they probably played it as true to like the events that actually happened. I just don't think that the events are that. I don't think it's it's made for a cinematic experience. I think it's better probably told in a documentary. I just don't think it works for a cinematic experience when you take it this take this story and adapt it. So. Um, it's a low taste it for me. Greg, what did you think about Infinite Storm? Yeah, I mean, the first thing I'll say is that it takes place in the White Mountains in New Hampshire, which I've been to a few times. It's a beautiful place. You know, the, I, I thought the scenery, the mountains itself, absolutely beautiful. If I was actually going to pick a title for this movie, it would be Fuck That Guy, because that's pretty much what I was saying through the entire two hours of the movie. There was really... It, the, the big failure of this movie is having us really care a wit for this guy named John that she tries to save 50 times despite John's never-ending efforts to kill both himself and Naomi Watts' character. Uh, first, he tries to jump off the edge of the cliff, doesn't do that properly, just fucks up his leg. Spoilers, but for anyone who's dumb enough to go see this movie after the review we're about to give it. Then later, he's trying to crawl across a log and he falls in the lake. Both of those times, if it were me, I would have been like, well, that motherfucker's dead. Nothing I can do. And I would have just gone home. But she keeps saying – I admire the tenacity of her character in saving him. And you find out a little bit about why she perceived human life to be so absolutely precious later in the movie. But he was just so much of a fucking dick that it was hard for me to buy into the emotion behind why she was saving him. I was actively rooting for – for her to let him die in the fucking snow uh, because he was such a douchebag. Um, and I'd say a low taste it for that reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quentin, what did you think about Infinite Storm? 
Yeah, I think I'm just going to ride on and taste it, um, mostly with everything you guys were saying. And I actually saw it today, and so it's really fresh in my mind. But, like, I I think I was one of six people in the theaters in the theater, and I was behind this old couple that were literally narrating the movie as it was going on. Oh, Jesus. And it ruined everything. Because, like, there are a lot of, like, scenes that are, you know, without any dialogue and literally you're just hearing the wind, you know? Mm-hmm. And they're just talking the entire time. And we get kind of what you were talking about, Greg. We get kind of like a flashback as to why she cares so much, you know. Um, and I heard him, I heard the the guy say out loud, oh, this is a flashback. And I'm just like, bro, like I couldn't believe that throughout the entire film, like they just they didn't shut up. And so I think that lessened the experience for me. But overall, I. I enjoyed this film enough because uh, Naomi Watts. I've always liked what she's done. Um, I've seen a lot of stuff of hers, obviously, and I've I've enjoyed a lot of them. I mean, uh, yeah, John is a dick, but at the same time, I feel like they didn't do a really good job of explaining why he was up there. They they gave him enough, but like I I would have liked to dive just a little more because she dives into her backstory a lot more than he does and. That was years ago. And so I just I wanted a little more of as to why he was in that situation for her to rescue him. Also, like the 15 to 30 minutes after the after like the initial um, basically the reason why we're watching this, you know, just felt weird and a little too elongated for my taste. But overall, like I I did enjoy what I was watching, but I I probably won't ever watch this again. Um, But I'm glad I saw it because, like I said, I love Naomi Watts and I'll I'll, I'll continue to support her because I think she's a great actress. Uh, Jake, what did you think about Infinite Storm? Yeah, this was a very bleak and frustrating movie to watch. Um, it, it looked nice, it sounded nice, but it, it was just such a frustrating story. I mean, you guys have talked about it a bunch. Like, it was so frustrating dealing with this John character and not being told why you should give a shit about him until the very end. And then the whole last 20 minutes of the movie is just excruciating to me. Like I, this was a taste it that became a very low taste it due to the last 20 minutes. Like it's almost like the movie tries to make you feel like an asshole for being frustrated with this guy for the previous 90 minutes. And I, I didn't much care for that. It, it felt like, no, you, you, you can't have this fallback. Like I'm not going to watch this a second time. And then my emotions going to be changed and I'm going to be like, Oh, poor John, the whole movie. Like, no, like it, they definitely, made it very clear that while all that stuff is happening you should be frustrated uh, along with the main character so yeah not the greatest movie i thought the best sequence honestly was before we even meet john and her initial accident that she gets into yeah um the most anxiety i had throughout the whole movie was just her you know making that dark knight rises climb out of that uh, that hole she fell into yeah. I, I thought that was that was really well done I thought that was where the most of the movie was going to be, was her in that hole. I thought we were getting like 127 hours. Yeah, I did too. She lost the same reaction. She lost her pinky toe in that hole, guys. I get. (laughs) Did she really? (laughs) So, so a couple, can I just add a couple other things briefly? You know, one of the things that I thought was interesting, I really liked the sound for roughly the the sound was great. Yeah. It felt though like maybe halfway through the movie, 
the they thought we had enough of the wind making it difficult to hear dialogue. So right as John starts to be a little more verbal, he's never that verbal, but a little more verbal, the wind starts to die down in the story. And what was odd is it just felt so much less menacing, menacing. If you think about it, I mean, once that wind howls down, my anxiety wasn't what it used to be. Um, I was so bored with this movie and so frustrated with John, and I might be a bigger asshole than he is. I made up this story in my head that the reason why the guy went to the mountain to kill himself was because he had a terrible, like, life-threatening condition and had 36 hours to live. And all he wanted to do was die in peace and name my watch. Couldn't even give him that. And it made me kind of chuckle. <laughs> it made me laugh to myself every time she saved him because he couldn't just ask her to let him die in peace. But right. that was about the only thing that enabled me to sit through this movie. Okay, let, let me dump on this movie just a second longer before we move on. I thought there was some really bad editing choices, too. Like, the entire sequence where they see the vehicle, like, completely, like, takes away any fear you have of, of these characters not making it. And it, it felt like that was not the direction they were going for. Like, we were supposed to be like, oh, my God, the car didn't see them. They're doomed. And then it's like one edit later where they're in the parking lot. So, like, it really right. didn't matter that they missed that car no, at all. You're you're on a road. I'll yeah, it's a fucking road. road. Yeah, I'm it's a road. You're safe. You missed the car. Walk fucking a quarter mile down that paved cement road, and I'm sure you'll be okay. It was yeah, ridiculous. It, it was just a crazy editing choice. Like, it just be in the parking lot. That, that whole sequence, there was no suspense whatsoever. It's like, once you see the car, you're good to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't I don't know. I guess, unless you want the theater experience to hear the storm and all that shit. Otherwise, I I wouldn't even watch it. it I, I it's it's really in my opinion not that great of a of a disaster um, you know, uh movie. Infinite Storm. Uh let's talk about ha- uh Halo on uh Paramount Plus. Uh finally got a Halo something on a screen it's like at one time this was like a movie and uh, i think denzel washington's name was thrown around as being master chief this is like over a decade ago we're finally getting it now as a series on paramount plus it was originally going to go to showtime uh dramatizing an epic 26th century conflict between humanity and an alien threat known as the covenant halo the series will weave Deeply drawn personal stories with action, adventure, and a richly imagined vision of the future. The series stars Pablo Schreiber uh, as Master Chief, uh, Natasha McElhenney uh, as Dr. Halsey, uh, Jen Taylor as Cortana. Um, let me see here. But Keem Woodbine's going to show up in this thing. Uh, I, I noticed that uh, Burn Gorman uh, is playing Venture Grath, and I like that actor in Pacific Rim. But um, yeah, we've got a we've got a pretty stacked cast here. Um, this uh, executive producer Kiki Wolfkill, what a name, Kiki Wolfkill. Yeah, wow. Jesus Christ, Kiki Wolfkill. Her last name is just like. Something that's super, like, super badass. I killed a wolf. Kiki Wolfkill. <laughs> that's like a Marvel character. No shit. Uh, Kiki Wolfkill revealed that the series is a standalone story that takes place within its own silver timeline. And that is inspired by the game franchise rather than a continuation, adaptation, or prequel, explaining that they wish to give the two Halo canons a chance to evolve individually to suit their media so this is in its own timeline kind of like uh what star trek does with like the 
what was it? The Kelvin timeline and the, mm-hmm. what's the other one? I can't remember, but you know what I'm talking about. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Greg, what did you think about, uh, Halo, the series on, uh, Paramount Plus? So just one episode out so far, unless I'm missing something. No, just the one. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, let me just give a few pros and cons. Uh, you know, on the pro side, the pro side, I enjoyed the action in this pilot episode. Really kinetic, pretty violent action yeah. that I, I felt to be really satisfying. As soon as the Spartans showed up, I was, I was ha- having a legitimately good time. Um, I have played Halo games. It's been a long time. I'm not like a Halo enthusiast, but I'm familiar enough to kind of get excited when you see Master Chief and just enjoyed overall the action set pieces, the scenes, etc. Really, really satisfying. Two things that I'm a little anxious about in this pilot. Number one, the Covenant looked really, really bad in sunlight. To me, I mean, they looked, they had like CGI shine to them. And like, I get that this is a TV show, but if we're going to have Covenant all over the place, as you would expect in the Halo series, it's going to have to get a little bit better because I found it to be a little hard to watch. Real quick. That's, that's number one. Real yeah. quick, Greg. Well, let's pause there because I do want to talk about this. Mm-hmm. What looks better? And I'm curious to hear what you have to say. And I know we're 10 years removed for the one thing that yeah. 10 years removed from the one thing I'm going to bring up here is uh, Covenant, the way that they looked versus the Chitari in the Avengers. Ooh, good. It's a fair question. Right. Um, yeah. It's a fair question, but it, it, it's interesting. When you look at CGI on TV in general, Halo's competing with The Mandalorian, and it's not fair, but they are. They are. So when I'm seeing kind of sheen CGI aliens, it's a little distracting. And, yeah. You know, it is, what it, it is what it is, but you're right. It's probably roughly comparable to me. Roughly comparable. Yeah, yeah. No, I... I... I agree. That's uh, I, to jump in real quick. That is one of my gripes. Is is it does feel like, you know, Halo is epic. It's an epic game. I mean, this was like the game that made me bought a uh, like I bought a 360 just so I could play Halo Three. I loved Halo. I was a big Halo fan, and um, this is an epic story. It's an you know the characters are epic, and I. Th- I think it deserves, in my opinion, a bigger budget, and I think it deserves to look a little less like a TV show and more like The Mandalorian that looks cinematic. And I think that's my—that's probably one of my biggest gripes on this, is that it just doesn't look... It feels very much like a just like a TV episode, and we're getting to the point, like with some of these Disney Plus shows, where it doesn't feel like you're watching TV sometimes. It feels like you're watching just like an like a chapter of a fucking movie that's the that's how good you know the special effects and the prosthetics look on the mandalorian and some of this disney plus stuff so yeah i agree what's your what's your other thing greg so and i might be a little bit paranoid with this but i get a little bit turned off when i think a series is introducing like a point of view character to drive the story and make the story relatable. It's almost like the Cole Young syndrome with the Mortal Kombat movie. Mm-hmm. And I had a little bit of concern that that's what Quan Ha is going to be. I, I you know, like, I, I just was not in the pilot t- 
terribly interested in seeing her. I wanted to see more of the Spartans. I wanted to see more of Reach. I wanted to hear a little bit more about the politics. I wanted to hear a little bit more about the war and the conflict. And I am not looking forward to her being kind of a point of view character for the rest of the series, if that's where it's going after one episode. And you know what? Maybe it's just a flat start for me, for her, but we'll have to see. I, I just am a little nervous that that's what her character is going to be. And I'm not looking forward to that. Is it a little bit of the Mandalorian too? I mean, the Mandalorian mm-hmm. has to take care of the child in the first season. And in this one, it's like, you know, now you've got a Spartan who's, you know, kind of taken like this, this young girl, the, the last remaining survivor of her group under his wing to protect her after they gave like an article 72 to kill her in this episode. And so it's like, a little bit of that going on. Um, yeah, yeah. What, what are you going to rate this one, Greg? You know, no, I give it. I give it a good tasted, and and that's. Will I watch another episode? Absolutely, because for the quality of the action set pieces and what we get, I'm I'm totally in. I, I just um, I, I was a slightly disappointed, I would say, in what I thought was other than Star Trek, probably a marquee property for Paramount Plus. I and especially with Amblin Entertainment involved, I maybe unfairly expected an hour-long movie-quality experience. And that's not what we got. So right. we'll have to see if it um, overcomes that, that. And maybe I just have to get over what I expected. I liked it a little bit more than you. I think it's because of just, like, my excitement level of seeing um, a live-action Master Chief like this and the way that he shows up with the others, the other Spartans, and they start attacking the Covenant. And, like, I really fucking, like, I I smiled and I was just like, oh, my God, that's from the game. Every time I heard a noise or, like, if he got shot and you heard, like, the boom, 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 the beeping, beep, 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 when, when the armor is getting, I mean, like, like, the exact sounds from the game. And, like, when they called him a demon, I was just like, that's from the fucking game. And I'd get really excited because it, it kind of – it really fit um who's spanking somebody over there what was that somebody somebody seriously got, not me somebody I, got, seriously sincerely that's not me that I was heard, my can i apologize yes not me <laughs> <laughs> it's nice when someone owns up though good job Quentin. yeah quentin yeah take, we, we gotta fucking drag it out of greg <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fuck you, Greg. I'm just All right, that's legit. That's legit. Good feedback. Look, Greg's movie is going to be called Infinite Noise. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I'll give it a high taste. It man, seeing fucking live action Master Chief, and I love the actor, dude. I love Pablo Schreiber. Like this is my pick, and I'm actually going to talk about this later because he's he's commented on it. This is my pick for Wolverine. Like I, this guy, um, and I'll send you guys pictures later of this. This guy, he's an incredible actor. If you did not watch American Gods, and this is your, your first experience of of Pablo Schreiber, then you don't get it. Like this guy is legit. This guy is fucking awesome. Um, was I happy that he took the helmet off in the first episode? No, I mean, but I, I, did I expect it? Yes. Um, but uh I enjoyed this quite a bit. I love the violence, man. I mean, they're not shying away from the violence. Like this this episode starts and you got Quan out there, this young girl out there with her friends and and all of a sudden the the covenants show up and start shooting at them. They fucking shoot fucking these teenage kids and you see this one fucking teenage kid blow up and his fucking legs gone and shit. You're just like, "Oh my god, it gets violent as shit." 
And um, I love Dr. Halsey. I love the call that she makes to protect Master Chief later. Um, I thought that that was really cool. I, I cannot wait to see the other Spartans in action a little bit more. Um, I'm excited for it, and I can't wait to see like live-action warthogs and stuff like that. I'm really looking forward to seeing more of the series. I just wish that they would have put a little bit more into the budget. I wish it would feel a little bit less like a TV episode at times, even with like the the acting a little bit. Sometimes it feels too much like a TV episode. Um, but uh, I'll give it a high taste. It. I, I I really did enjoy this. Quentin, what did you think? Yeah, I'm probably gonna stick to a taste. It. Um, I didn't grow up with Halo. I, I played it at my friend's house and stuff, and I, I just didn't grow up with an Xbox that came later. And so, like, I didn't really get my taste of Halo until actually recently with Halo Infinite. And then I've kind of been going back and playing the campaigns with a buddy of mine, and I'm really like enjoying the story with that and to know that this is something completely different made me excited so i was like really gung-ho to watch this and yeah i mean the first episode was good i it's sad because i was just looking through pablo schreiber's uh imdb page and i haven't really seen him in anything uh notable so like this was kind of my first introduction to him but yeah, I was. I that was going to be my my uh, question to you, Brian, because you're very familiar with it, mm-hmm. and not to like compare it with uh, with uh, Mandalorian, but like the 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 helmet. Did they? I mean, I just I never saw Master Chief ever take off his helmet, and it just felt weird that they were doing that in the first episode. You know? Yeah. yeah. No, so I, like, I agree. Oh, okay, good. Because like I just I didn't know like the lore behind it, and I can only um, I can only speak to like the first three games. Those are the ones that I played. But he never took right. off the the helmet in in those three games, and so okay. you know going into this, I I had a feeling that of course he's going to take the helmet off. But um, did I think that he needed to? No. Uh, but of right. course they want to show you know Pablo Schreiber and you know get some face time with him. So. Well, I will say that I really I, – I, I did enjoy this episode enough. Uh, the Covenant, for sure, Greg, you were totally hitting it on the mark. It was just kind of a weird, like, glossiness to it that almost reminded me of The Hobbit, you know? And so, like, watching them on screen, but, man, they were just – they were cool to watch. But, yeah, I just – I didn't expect them to be so huge compared to the Spartans because um, just from what I've seen in the games – they don't look that big, but yeah, I mean, just like the how ginormous they are compared to the uh, the uh, the to the Spartans. It was really cool just seeing them take them down and everything. The action really, really makes you think like, okay, this this shit's gonna be cool. And so yeah, I'll definitely be watching the second episode for sure because I'm very curious. I like I like what they did, and yeah, I want to see the other people, uh, the other Spartans in action again, and especially. Cortana come to the um, whatever it is because I, I think right now she's like in a chamber so I'm really excited to see how she kind of develops as a character as well later later episodes yeah uh, Jake what did you think yeah I I, I mostly hated this um, it was a toss it for me uh, I thought it was pretty interesting for the first 12 minutes but then it just became such a fucking slog fest after that initial scene. Um, I, I too was shocked to see that like emblem was behind the special effects. And I think it's just a detriment to this show that it exists in a world where we have the Mandalorian. It, it felt very much like 
I ordered the Mandalorian from Wish, and this is what I got. I mean, <laughs> down to like Master Chief's like voice and the helmet coming off and his relationship with the other character. And oh, it just felt so the story was so paper thin, full of like sci-fi cliches that anyone that's watched any like small amount of this kind of show could see coming a mile away. Uh, yeah, after that first 12 minutes, I couldn't believe what I was watching. This was train wreck TV, TV to me. And uh, unless I hear drastic changes episodes down the line, I, I will not be watching any more of this. Hmm. Yeah, I, I'm, I, have zero, I'm not, I have zero connection to the games. Yeah. Um, I'm, not know, I'm not really the biggest first person shooter guy. And I thought even the first person shooter like emulation scenes in this were were pretty weak sauce. I, I, I was shocked by what I was seeing mostly. I'm not in shocked. In a bad way. I'm not shocked by your, your toss it. I'm not. I, I expected it <laughs> going in. Um, I wanted to like this. I mean, the recipe for a show I could like is definitely here, but they put way too much salt in this shit. Yeah, I'm going to be watching this week to week, man. Like, I think... You know, I, I really enjoyed the games. I think this is like, uh, not, I'm not putting it on the same level as like your, like my excitement for this as your excitement for Wheel of Time, but I kind of, you know what I mean? It's kind of the same. There's that loyalty to the franchise. I totally get it. If I, if I look at Wheel of Time, not through the glasses of, of, that I have on, of how much love I have for that series, then I, I could see its faults maybe a lot more in it. I think Halo works the same way for you. It's, it's yeah. this thing you love. It's not – if you like Halo, it's definitely not spitting in the face of Halo fans. But I think as an entry-level show for a non-Halo fan, ooh, you'll, you'll be hard-pressed to find much enjoyment here. Oh, yeah. I, I suppose I, – I really I, – I liked it quite a bit. I'm hoping it does get better. I just don't think, of course, like the special effects, there's really not a lot they can do right now. I mean, now. They, they might get better. Like if this goes to second season, I mean it's already like – destroyed paramount plus viewership records for any premiere episode of anything like it did way more numbers than any of the star trek shows on their first episode and uh, that's quite a big deal i mean you know the following that star trek has and uh halo fans have brought it man i mean we'll have to see what episode two numbers are like but yeah episode one blew the fuck up on paramount plus so yeah. that's good news for the budget if it goes another season yeah i'm gonna be stick i think episodes drop on thursdays i'll be watching this on thursdays so um yeah i'm excited for for more halo but uh yeah uh let's talk about the the last days of ptolemy gray on apple tv uh it stars uh samuel l jackson as ptolemy gray an ailing man forgotten by his family by his friends and even by himself suddenly left with his trusted caretaker and on the brink of sinking deeper sinking even deeper into a lonely dementia ptolemy is assigned to the care of orphaned teenager robin played by dominic fishback when they learn about a treatment that can restore Ptolemy's dementia-addled memories, it begins a journey toward shocking truths about the past, present, and future. It's a miniseries based on the novel of the same name by Walter Mosley that appeared on Apple TV+. And uh, I guess Walton Goggins shows up in this. I only, I think they dropped three episodes. I watched the first one because it came down to like, what am I going to watch this or am I going to continue to watch The Tourist? And I chose The Tourist. Um, I didn't even get to an episode where they um, had him take this uh, uh, treatment that can restore his dementia-addled memories, as they call them here. 
Uh, I didn't get to that part. That story just sounds a lot like if you guys have seen the movie Awakenings. Nobody? No, I haven't seen no I'm not familiar. Really? Nobody's seen Awakenings here with it's I think it's De Niro and Oh, I've seen that. I've seen that. It's a Spielberg movie, right? Uh, let me, with uh, yes. Robin Williams and De Niro. Yes, Robin Williams. And is that what it's called? For some reason, my brain is thinking it's called something else. No, it's called Awakenings. Yeah, nineteen ninety. Right, right. Yeah, I've a hundred percent seen this movie. It's a Penny Marshall flick. Yeah, Penny Marshall. I saw this in the theater. Yeah, yeah, and it reminded me of that. This that's based on a true story. They gave these people. Um, like these catatonic people, they gave them this drug, and uh, they started to come out and um, be able to talk for the first time in years. Um, and it's this the old flowers for Algernon kind of storyline, you know? Yeah, I just with this, I just got, I I watched the first episode. I was not blown away. I love Samuel Jackson, but I just wasn't really blown away by this story. I don't I. Th- they didn't even introduce the drug and I just wanted to watch more of the tourist. I'll give it a, I'll give it a taste it. Um, I really can't, I can't really comment a lot about this one because, um, I didn't even get to like, like the synopsis talks about this drug that they give them. I didn't even get to that part. I didn't even make it that far in the series. So, um, I'll give it a taste it. And I sadly probably will not continue to watch this one. It just didn't grab me. So, um, Jake, what did you think? Yeah, I watched two episodes of this show, and honestly, until you reading that synopsis, I didn't know they were ever going to actually get to him taking the drug. Like, the story still was very much open-ended on that. Uh, You know, Samuel L. Jackson is a character suffering from dementia, and he gets this doctor's appointment, but when something horrible happens, there's you kind of, as an audience, don't know whether or not he's even going to make it to that doctor's appointment. And he surely hasn't by the end of the second episode. Um, yeah, this is a really hard watch. It, it's a tasted for me as well. I think Samuel L. Jackson really puts on like a kind of a master class in acting here. But it's unfortunate it's in kind of just a bless show. Um, it's just a lot of really unlikable characters. It, it's a really hard, almost flinching watch to... Uh, see how some of his family treats him when really the only one that the character reggie has a actually very decent and caring relationship with this character but then once that character is out of the picture seeing the way the rest of his family treats him in the following episode really just a hard painful watch and i i don't really see there being any like uplifting moment happening in this show anytime soon i kind of have a feeling it's going to spiral even more into depressing topics and Mm. i'm just not feeling it man i I, i'm also not going to continue watching it um i feel like it's very quality (laughs) work but for an audience that's not me because i i just the subject matter is a little bit too much for me yeah yeah greg what do you think so i'm going to just admit up front that i found the theme of dementia very moving because i've got people here and gone that are going through different levels of cognitive loss and it probably impacted me maybe more than it impacted you guys though Mm -hmm. i obviously have no idea if that's an experience you've had or not had but um the one thing that i found and, and just to be transparent i watched the first episode and this is almost like a bizarro flip flop of how we felt about the tourist in this this is the my favorite thing that i saw this week oh wow um yeah and um i would say this this to me is samuel l jackson's best performance since pulp fiction in my opinion because 
he never gives us that Samuel L. Jackson impression. Um, it is such a much more significantly nuanced performance than probably what we're used to seeing ever since he played Jules in Pulp Fiction. Um, I found the overall story and theme heartbreaking. The other thing I would say is, you know, they, they gave us just enough to fall in love with Reggie. Omar oh, Benson Miller played Reggie. I loved him, yeah. Just, yeah, and what I found really interesting, and this is a pilot spoiler, so, you know, not, it's a spoiler, but not a big one. At the end of the first episode, we're probably about two steps ahead of the main character in figuring out where he is and why he's there. Yes. But yes. when you still find it out, I personally welled up. I got very emotional. Um, I knew what was coming. I knew what he was going to see. And I still found it to be just a punch in the stomach. Um, so this was actually good enough that instead of watching the, the second episode, I watched some other things because I want to watch the rest of this show with my wife. Um, I, I liked it that much. And we'll just have to see if it holds up. I, I, I don't know. But I, I had a much more positive spin than you guys did. No, man. It's, uh, I mean, it, everybody gets, uh, it's all subjective. We all, we all see things differently. I'm glad you enjoyed the show. I, I think that, you know, I love, yeah, I thought, Re I thought the character of Reggie was great. Um, it's, it, I, I am kind of with Jake. It's hard to watch somebody in uh, Samuel L. Jackson's position, this old man, kind of be taken advantage of and treated yeah. this way. It, it's a hard watch mm -hmm. for me. I, it's one of the reasons I, I stopped watching that Paul Rudd and Will Ferrell show. It's just like, you know, mm -hmm. the way he was being taken advantage of in that show. It just I, – I have a hard time with that. And so – it's with it being not a movie but a series and just have to go back and just see you know his family members treating him this way i just um i i don't know if i could get through it so that's part of my hang up but uh quentin what did you think about the the last days of ptolemy gray well i wanted to ask jake how far did you get in it bud i watched the first two episodes first two episodes oh, that's what i watched too so I, I don't know. Um, I'm going to give this a high tasted. Um, I'm kind of with Greg where a lot of drama stuff gets to me. Um, I, drama is probably like my favorite genre when it comes to movies. I just I always in, or movies and shows, I should say. Um, and seeing just kind of like the struggle that Ptolemy Gray goes through throughout this whole like the first two episodes. I only watched the first two episodes. I should I should preface. Um I really thought Samuel L. Jackson brought it, and especially with later on when, um, like, slight spoilers, but um, the drug does come in play. And just, like, it, it's weird because you've watched this character for, like, an hour plus acting a certain way in terms of just, like, very uh, dementia-driven and just it's, – it's very solid. Like, you're not – happy watching this and especially with what you deal with kind of like what you were saying greg with um reggie and so like i was i was like so sad watching that first episode but i love what they do in the second episode when they introduce uh dominique fishback i i, I believe her name is um the actress and um, I really enjoy 
their chemistry and I'm looking forward to seeing that more because she really like has a love for this man and uh, there's just like small things that they do throughout I, I believe it's the second episode the small things they do throughout the episode that really just show you just their own personal growth with each other and I don't know I just really enjoyed it and yeah so I'm, I'm going to give it a high taste it I want to watch more um, kind of going the opposite of what you guys were saying, but um, I like I said, I'm really happy that I got to see this and the Taurus. Like, um, it just opened my eyes. I'm I, I'm just looking forward to watching the rest of this and seeing where it goes. Uh, I like Dominic Fishback. She was in um, she was in a show on uh, HBO called The Deuce, and I thought she was really good in that. So it's nice seeing her in other stuff. It's just yeah, and she um, was in uh, Project Power, I believe, right? Yeah, yeah, she was in that as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, w- the part that was super fucked up that had me laughing though was when he was in the doctor's office. Samuel Jackson and he's waiting there with Reggie and there's a woman who has a growth on her neck and out loud he is saying what's wrong with that woman over there I want to know what's wrong with her she got something that looks like a grapefruit busting out of her neck and he's saying it really loud and I'm just like this is so fucked up but it is so funny (laughs) I laughed that he was still talking about it even when he got to the doctor he like demanded to know why she didn't get to go first yeah <laughs> All right, Jake. Do you need a break? I'm feeling you do. Yes. I figured as much. Guys, we're gonna take a break. See, I yeah. I'm starting to get on your fucking piss cycle here. Your fucking bladder cycle. Uh, we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. <laughs> baking pancakes, making baking pancakes. Take some bacon and I'll put it in a pancake. Baking pancakes. That's what it's gonna make. Baking pancakes. All right, hey, we are back, and we are back in Good Pop, Bad Pop. Uh, we all watched Bad Vegan on Netflix. I think the full title may be Bad Vegan Fame Fraud Fugitives, uh, and this is on Netflix. It's a four-episode docuseries. Uh, A-list vegan chef Sarmel Mangalis falls for a mysterious charmer who sweeps her off her feet, promising to pay her debts. It's directed by Chris Smith, and... This is fucking weird. This is weird. And I don't, I I watched all four episodes and I still feel like we are only getting one side of the story. And I'm not saying that if basically what happened here is you've got this woman who she started this raw vegan restaurant in New York city. She had everything going for her and she was involved with a famous chef at the time and and uh, that relationship fell out, and she got involved with uh, online uh, through this guy that she actually met through Alec Baldwin, a guy who wanted to date her at one time, and that didn't work out. But she started to date uh, this other guy. What is this? Anthony Strangis. And um, things just go way out of hand to the, to the point where uh, 
he starts leading her down this road of saying like you're she loved this dog Leon he said he could make her dog immortal and and all this weird kind of like weird culty shit and it led to him t- taking control of her money her bank accounts um leading into like 2 million dollars of of debt and uh and and and, and fraud that uh she lost her employees. They were not getting paid. She lost her business. And it gets down to the point where like him and her are on the run as fugitives. And they, it's, it is a weird, I don't, it's a weird documentary. And I don't feel like we're getting the full story because we're not getting to hear his side of the story. And I'm not saying like, He's going to be the most truthful and honest person if we did hear his side of the story. But I don't think she's 100% truthful and honest on the, on, on, on the flip side. Um, I do feel like she was manipulated, but I do think she let herself get manipulated by Anthony. It is a weird documentary. It is a very odd documentary. I'll give it a taste it and it's, and, and that's just because it, it did hold my attention, but I don't think it's as good as like the Tinder swindler that we talked about, you know, previously. Um, Greg, did you watch this? I did. And it's funny, Brian, the first note that I made is kind of suffers a little bit in the shadow of the Tinder swindler. Cause I just, you know, similar documentary about a similarly bad person yeah. that I found maybe just a little more compelling. I still enjoyed this probably, probably more than you did. Primarily because I felt that Sarma was just a really fascinating individual. I mean, I had a hard time figuring out just how empathetic of a person she is. At times, I thought I thought she was almost like a sociopath, letting her employees suffer in the way that she did. And at other times, I mean, she has this homeless guy that she's building up a friendship with. Right. You know, she vegans are typically highly compassionate people she is letting herself be manipulated out of the love of a pet so i found her to be fairly three-dimensional um a couple of the things that i thought really kept me going on this one one is just the overall shock that anthony or whatever his name is was able to manipulate her obviously in the way that he did that was just absolutely shocking in part because of what the guy looked like he looks like a complete slob um it felt in some ways like perhaps sarma was a little bit too interested in chasing fame she very early on in the docuseries is visibly depressed about not marrying alec baldwin in a really odd sort of moment that helped me understand who she was the other thing that i thought was really compelling as you're watching this docuseries you get no sense whatsoever of connection between this Anthony person and Sarma. It almost seems like it's total convenience the whole way through. And then right as the credits are about to roll, they play about 20 seconds of audio after they've both been arrested. And you see this bizarre chemistry. It's almost like they have chemistry. You're like, yes, oh, they like they like each other. And they haven't shown me that for four episodes. But after this shit, they, they kind of dig each other. It's yes. Odd. I'd go with a high taste it. Again, if you're really into documentaries, this is a good solid one. Not as good as the Tinder Swindler, but a good solid watch if you're into this kind of thing. No, I think it's captivating and it holds your attention, but I think my biggest problem with it is like I we're we're being lied to. Like there's yeah. we're just being lied to and we're not getting the full story and I that's what I don't like about this. I feel like it's incomplete. It's incomplete and it asks more questions than it really answered. And I feel like she's lying to us. 
and we're not hearing his side of the story. And I think, yep. like, even if we heard all of his lies, I think we could sift through them and get enough truths to where we might know the full story if they were able to talk to Anthony at the end of the day. I don't know. How did you feel about the ca- – there's a – again, I'm going to just be thoughtful about spoilers here. There's a character probably in the third episode that you find out isn't what yes. you were sold. Yes, um, How did you feel about that reveal? It made sense at that point then. Yeah, yeah. Because before I was just like, how did they get this guy to – how did they get this guy in the documentary and why is he not like being – why is he not involved in this scandal as far as like – him being arrested and all this stuff. It was yeah. just really odd. Right. So, n- no, that was... It made sense. I was like, okay, this makes sense. Um, Jake, what did you think about Bad Vegan? Yeah, my my first note for this is that it was the cosmic horror version of the Tender Swindler. And uh, my second note is Unreliable Narrator. Yeah, um, yeah this was very gripping. Um, I watched all four episodes. It, it was definitely an easy, breezy watch. I, w- I was captivated in death, but... Yeah, it's just a middle-of-the-road taste it for me. It was just kind of a, a nice diversion, a little bit of a light snack after the tender swindler. But, yeah, it was, it was just so much more bizarre and so much more incomplete than the tender swindler. Like, so, so yeah, um, it definitely went places I didn't expect it to go with the story. I, I agree with the episode three twist. Like, I didn't see it coming, but it definitely made a lot of sense with kind of the narrative that was being presented. Um but yeah, I, you know, I would recommend this. Like there was previous taste at this episode where I was like, you know, I would not recommend you watch these things. But if you enjoyed the tender swindler and you're looking for more in that line of programming, uh, you can't go wrong with this show. I agree with that. Yeah, I agree. Even though it's, I feel like it's a taste that, um, I still think it's definitely worth watching. Quentin, what did you think? Yeah, I, I was definitely, uh, looking at it. As kind of, and I hate to you know repeat you guys, but I I just couldn't get away from the shadow of Tinder Swindler while watching this. Um, so like that's kind of that kind of deteriorated it for a second for me because I was just like, ah oh, man, it's like we've already seen this you know type of thing. And I only made it through the first two episodes. Um, I I don't know if it was just I wasn't in the right mindset for this, but I was like extremely bored with just the story and I didn't know all about it. I actually talked to my co-host from uh, my show and she said, I need to finish it. Like she says, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 I just, I haven't been able to. And so I, I feel bad, but yeah, I just couldn't get away from the shadow of the tender swim there. Um, I was right there with you, but, Quentin. After the first two episodes, yeah. I told somebody that actually recommended this to me that I was through two episodes and I was just like, it's okay. Tinder Swindler's better. They said, mm-hmm. just continue to watch this one. Just continue and just wait. Just wait. And so, and I, it, it, it does complete more of the story, but it's still just not like as satisfying as an ending. But I think it's definitely worthy of watching all the way through. I thought Greg's description of the persona of a vegan was very interesting. I, that's really never been the perception of vegans that I've had. Um, you know, I've always heard a lot of a lot of vegan jokes growing up and throughout my adult life still. Well, I mean, they they you know, he's talking about the compassion that they have for animals. I think um, people that do take care and love their animals are some of the best people in the world. And these are people that basically I mean, if they're if, if they're not judgy or whatever, but I mean, they're wanting to um, 
I mean, they don't they don't eat animals because they 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 I, part of it is it because they think it's cruel and they care. So I think that's where is that where you're coming from, yeah, Greg? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And by the way, this is I will never shamelessly plug my YouTube channel. I counter protested vegans in my town just to make sure. I mean, oh I've, yeah, I love that video. I've that was a good I've one. had run-ins with vegans, but I, I do think just they are often vegans because of their love and compassion for life and animals and you know that's why when you see i think that's what ultimately made this story compelling and i i live within you know roughly an hour and a half of new york city i was aware of this story when it happened that's how they were selling the story it's just unusual that a vegan would also be kind of running a con job uh because they're generally you know i get the judgy thing but they're kind of vegans often because they're so compassionate about life and animals and all of that stuff can i can i tell a vegan joke Please do. I promise it won't be cheesy. <laughs> it took me a second. That was good. Go go home. Go no, home. I, no, no, it's well done. In the so. year 2022, you're still telling vegan jokes, Jake? Right, about, I thought that was a very smart vegan joke that didn't didn't like shoot low. I didn't punch down at the vegans with that joke. It was okay. just a good dad pun. Yeah, there you it was go. A good, good one. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's talk about last thing in good pop, bad pop that I want to talk about is, uh, uh, I'll be honest with you, I only watched one episode, uh, One Perfect Shot on HBO Max. It's based on the Twitter account at One Perfect Shot. The series of the same name follows a specific director who explains in detail one of their most iconic shots. According to an HBO Max press release, directors enter each shot walking through the scene in a 360 degree moment that allows viewers to join in an immersive exploration of movie making <laughs> uh, it's created alongside director Ava DuVernay uh, the series includes shots from uh, films like Wonder Woman, The Trial of, uh, of the Chicago 7, Harriet Crazy Rich Asians, Girls Trip and Heat, the full lineup includes directors Aaron Sorkin, Patty Jenkins John M. Chu, Casey Lemons Malcolm D. Lee and Michael Mann uh, honestly there's only two episodes that I really cared to watch and it was the uh Patty Jenkins episode and the Michael Mann episode. And I didn't watch the Michael Mann episode. But, um, cause I like some Michael Mann stuff and then there's some of his later work that I am not a fan of, but I like a lot of his earlier, earlier stuff. Yeah, he, Heat's fucking great. Heat's great. And, um, so is, um, uh, uh Last of the Mohicans. I'm a big fan of that yep. movie. Um, Red Dragon. Right. And, then you, and then you have Ali. And and Black Hat, Ugh. terrible Chris Hemsworth film, absolutely horrid Michael Mann movie. Um. Anyway, yeah, I watched the Patty Jenkins episode, and uh, it's you know I I like learning more about her, um, and I liked learning about kind of like. I did, it is interesting. Their episodes are twenty. The first episode was twenty four minutes. Easy to watch, and um, I like learning more about her and basically like where she came from, working behind the camera for so many years. And it was cool that they did talk about her movie Monster, which I I still think is just an incredible movie. Uh, Charlie's <laughs> Charlie's Throne was just absolutely. I mean, Patty brought out just an incredible performance <laughs> out of Charlize in that movie. It's really fucking good. If you've never seen Monster, highly recommend it. Um, and I... Honestly, it did get me excited, like, when they started talking about the one perfect shot and her, you know, 
her introducing herself to the world of men in no man's land as Wonder Woman, like it got me excited to watch the movie. Like I wanted to watch the movie. She just she was a really good hype man for her fucking movie, even though she doesn't think that it's a hundred percent perfect film. I mean, or a one hundred percent perfect shot. I think that that no man's land scene is fucking perfect. I I, I don't think she could have done it any better. And uh, I like this enough. I, I will I will give it a I'll give it a solid. I'll give it a solid taste at bordering on a high taste. It's, it's, it's really good. Um, but, um, I don't know. It just, I think like what they're missing the mark on is like this whole walking around the shot thing. It just felt like she's walking <laughs> <laughs> this 360 degree thing. Just like, it just, it, it, that felt a little cheesy to me. I, I, that's the part where it's like, that technology and that that just didn't work for me um other than that i thought it was it's interesting to hear her side of of the creative process and everything i like that um i don't think i'll be watching any more of it i might watch the michael mann episode but that would be about it really i think it really comes down to these directors that you like um jake what did you think about one perfect shot uh, it was a low tasted for me. I watched the first episode, the second episode, and the last episode. Um, yeah, I just thought, like, I would have rather... There was a lot of really cool information and stuff I haven't heard and some really cool personal stories that I would have preferred just in a long interview form. Like, I would have enjoyed this show almost more if it was just 20, 25 minutes of a conversation about the perfect shot. I found the walking around the shot in 3D shit to be so pretentious and like funny in all the wrong ways that, oh my god, you have to watch the Michael Mann episode because it is truly ridiculous seeing him walk around the uh, 3D shot from heat and uh, yeah, I mean if, if you watch this, it's almost a black dark comedy it almost makes it more worth it than watching it for the information like seeing all these very notable directors have to act serious while walking around this universal studio steam park version of the scene in their movie is quite like almost disarming like it's very bizarre very weird you gain nothing as a viewer from it other than laughing at the director trying to interact with this stuff. It's like watching fucking like Nick Arcade back in the day with like the person not exactly knowing where the fuck anything was on this blue screen that they're in front of. Um, yeah, really cool information, but the concept and the presentation is laughably bad. bad. Uh, I'll give it a low taste. It. it The only thing that keeps them from being a toss it is all three episodes I watched, I did learn something and it was very informative. Just the, the, the delivery of that information was, Oh my God. Yeah. That, that immersive experience is dumb. Um, yeah. Quentin, what did you think about one perfect shot? Yeah. I only saw the Patty Jenkins one as well. And it was so weird. You hit it on the head of just like her going through the scene and like walking through it because it doesn't look as good. And, like, the shot that they use for Wonder Woman where it kind of looks like Gal Gadot, um, I was just so cringy looking. And I don't know, like, if you're – it felt like there was a lot of it was going towards, like, this is what HBO Max is bringing to you. You know, like, these are the movies that you've seen. And I just felt like the budget just wasn't there. And 
Um, I, I mean, yeah, Monster. I would have loved to have seen more about Monster than Wonder Woman, honestly. And obviously, I know that Patty Jenkins is known for Wonder Woman. And the fact that they dropped just a little bit about Wonder Woman 84, but didn't talk too much about it was kind of funny. But, um, yeah, I only watched the first episode, so I'm going to probably give it a taste it as well. Um, I mean, I'd like to watch the other ones, but I don't know if I'm ever going to go back to this. So, I mean, I don't know. Time will tell. Yeah, I was hoping for a lot more out of this one. Greg, what did you think about One Perfect Shot? Yeah, um, let me just get out of the way, you know, the sort of elephant in the room. Even as you're watching this show, Wonder Woman 84 is a pretty awful movie by most accounts and by mine, too. Um, Setting that aside... I find Patty Jenkins a really easy to root for. I, I watched one episode. Um, I probably will not watch any more. I find her easy to root for when she talks about her love of superheroes um, and her admiration for Richard Donner's Superman. Yeah. It passes the sniff test. It's genuine. It's sincere. If you grew up with those films, you feel how she feels. And well, she's talking about, always, she saw that movie like – Right after her father had passed as a her young child. Died. Yeah. And I, I remember right, her talking about, yeah, go right ahead. I'm be, sorry. Well, right behind her, she's, as, as she's been talking about that, right behind her, they're showing the scene from Superman where Paul Kent grabs his arm and he's having the heart attack. Yeah. And like, I dude, mean, I got, I did get emotional that. there because they just, they literally did, they literally just talked about how her father had passed and she's seeing this movie and it was an escape for her. And then they fucking show that scene, which is an emotional scene. And, and, um, it, it, that, I mean, that's, you're so right. Patty Jenkins is, she's very likable, man. She's really likable. I remember feeling the same way when we got the, uh, with the, the Disney investor day call, when she talked about rope squadron and how much that meant to her being an air force child and, you know, I just will always root for Patty Jenkins, even if I don't like all of her work. I will always like and admire her. And, you know, just based on this first episode, I, I feel the same way. Now, on the episode itself, Jake, you used the word pompous. The word I'll use, it's just too self-congratulatory. The whole the whole concept, it is Oh, I said pretentious. Like pretentious, I'm sorry. It's It just... Um, to hear, I'd rather hear maybe somebody else talk about why it's the perfect shot and then maybe have the director give insight, but it almost felt like Patty Jenkins was uncomfortable being as braggadocious as you need to be because of what the concept of the show is. I also felt like it's Warner Brothers basically taking its dick out and saying, we are still the director's studio and that's our brand and this is an example of why we are still the director's studio no matter what we are. So um, again, I would say middle of the road taste it like can't you just give us this shit when we buy the movie on digital like used to come with a blu-ray like can we just have it there instead of having this fucking show yeah that's a great comment these felt like half-assed dvd special features basically like worth watching but nothing you're going out of your way of yeah so uh you know it's if you are a big fan of a director or a film maybe just cherry pick those episodes but i i I couldn't see any other reason to recommend it. And I love how Warner Brothers took away Ava DuVernay's New Gods project and they let her host this thing, though. 
<laughs> throw really threw her a bone. Yeah, exactly. Jeez, how long was she? She was. She, she had to have. They had to have paid her. I mean, she wasn't she working on that thing for like a couple years? It seemed like she was. I, I wonder if, if with Eternals kind of crashing, if maybe New Gods is viable again. Right. You know, you yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. may, maybe it is. We'll, we'll have to see. I'll, I'll be curious in a couple of years if that comes back. Yeah. 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 All right. Let's, uh, that's one perfect shot on HBO Max. Uh, I guess if you are a big fan of one of those directors, check out their episode and yeah. Uh, let's move on into the pop culture leftovers news. Hear ye, hear ye, read all about it. It's a leftover news and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangster as fuck, yo. It's gangster as fuck, yo. All right. Archive 81 on Netflix canceled after one season. Ouch, I heard it had a big cliffhanger too, so mm-hmm. that, that really hurts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You guys loving, uh, Netflix canceling these shows? I got some stats here that are just gonna blow you guys the fuck away. No, I hate it. I mean, ever since Glow, it's just like, I, I just don't trust them anymore. It, you never know when you're safe. Like something can seem very popular mm-hmm. and then the next thing you know, boom, gone. Well, Glow got greenlit for season four, then we got COVID-19 and they, Acts that. So listen to this. I, I was, uh, you know, talking about Netflix canceling shows. I was, uh, looking around the internet today and I saw an article popped up on my feed and it's, uh, from, uh, tomsguide.com and it goes down here and it's got, uh, so many canceled shows and it's talking about, uh, um, the title of the article is Netflix won't stop canceling shows so I can't be bothered starting them. And that, title really caught me and as i was reading this listen to this in 2020 alone netflix canceled more than 20 original series jesus in the same year roughly 45 netflix branded programs premiered that number includes animated shows so the service is hardly posting a great success rate stopping much of its upcoming content from getting another run sure some of these programs canceled last year were of questionable quality was anyone sad to see October Faction go? Uh, I think I like that one, actually. Uh, but also on the list were promising programs such as I Am Not Okay With This and Teenage Bounty Hunters. Uh, regardless of Netflix's reasons, that's 20 different fandoms who were disappointed to see a show they enjoyed brought to an early conclusion. Plus, Netflix isn't slowing down in 2021 either. The streamer pulled the trigger on The Last Kingdom, The Irregulars, and The Duchess earlier this year, and that was just the beginning of a tidal wave of cancellations. Last month, it was confirmed that neither uh, hashtag BlackAF nor Grand Army would be returning for a second season. Then a surprising big turn, big budget superhero series, Jupiter's Legacy, was canceled just a month after its first season dropped, though the universe will still be explored further thanks to a planned anime spinoff. It's just, I mean, and oh, they talk about uh, not giving a chance to develop. They're talking about uh, while some of the shows canceled in the past year and half like Glow and The Last Kingdom were multiple seasons deep. Most frustratingly, around two thirds of those shows that Netflix has canceled since 2020 only got a single season on the platform. I think it's even more frustrating when you get three or four seasons deep into something and they just out of nowhere cancel it. It's, I mean. 20 original series canceled 45 new programs in 2020 and almost half of them were canceled. This is just what the fuck Netflix. Yeah. Flip a fucking coin with those stats, right? Like it's a brand new show. Flip a coin, whether or not it's going to get canceled. It's just like what I mean, I feel like what I love about, 
I guess what I love about HBO is the fact that they're willing to, um, even if a show isn't garnering as much uh, love from the masses, they'll still finish a series. Like we got to see three seasons of The Leftovers, which was amazing that they did that. Uh, if, if The Leftovers was on Netflix, it would have been canceled after the first season. I have no doubt in my mind. A hundred percent. Um, HBO kept it going for three seasons and they finished it. Even Deadwood, they finished it off with a movie. Netflix just basically starts, stops. And it is hard to get invested. I was invested in Archive 81. That was an absolute Tupperware for me. One of my favorite shows. And uh, now I'm not going to get a second season. It's always going to have that cliffhanger. And, um, yeah, I don't know, man. Fuck. I, what is it going to take, Jake? What is it going to take for people to fucking start uh, canceling these Netflix subscriptions? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I feel like Netflix has just had some bad PR in the last month. I mean, between all the cancellations... The constant raising of the rates, all the news that they're going to really be cracking down on password sharing. I, I feel like they're getting a lot of ill will from consumers and uh, they need some really good PR and they need it fast because I I feel like the, the public opinion of Netflix is falling and falling fast. Is there I mean, hmm, it's interesting, man. I felt like I felt like Netflix during like the beginning of the pandemic was throwing me an entertainment lifeline. Because theaters were closed and it felt like Netflix was always coming out with something new every week. And it was just like, oh, my God, thank God for Netflix. And now that, like, you know, now that all these other streamers are coming out with so many other things, and I think HBO Max is a superior service. And I think, like, Apple TV for what it has is superior. But it's like it's like Netflix can just keep you around because, they, oh, they're, you know, they're they're dangling Stranger Things season four in front of us. And, you know, they still have The Witcher and they have some of these other shows that I, I just don't know if, if it's, oh, I don't know if it's worth it, especially the price that we're paying for Netflix. I'm, mm, Greg, do you have any thoughts on, on, on Netflix? Yeah. I mean, I, it feels like it, this has to, a lot to do with their business model. I mean, number one, they raised a ton of cash over the past few years, which they invested kind of in almost like throwing spaghetti at the wall, you know, in terms of investing in properties. And, you know, it's a very data-driven business. So they're looking at those viewership numbers rather than looking at sort of creative validity of some of the properties. I mean, um, uh, OA is uh, another one that, you know, I mean, just kind of probably cut off a little bit too soon. Um, I personally am at the point where I don't watch any series on Netflix until after the first season is over and I get a sense that it has longevity. The, the other thing that's really interesting, if you think about Netflix, they're building a very unsatisfying catalog of single seasons of shows without end. Yes. I mean, long yes. term, this is not really uh, – this is not a good sign. <laughs> you know, when, it, when do their subscriber numbers start falling? Maybe soon because they've been flattening out if you read the news. I mean, they, their subscriber base is simply not growing right now. Mm-hmm. So – this definitely bears watching when you look at the price increases, when you look at the catalog, really not developing probably the way they want it to. Um, I'm curious if they offer the Duffer Brothers a pile of money to do Stranger Things the high school years or Stranger Things the college years, even though that's clearly not on the roadmap for the Duffer Brothers. 
uh, just to keep people coming back. I think Netflix is in trouble. Yeah, I mean, Jake, you recently were talking about like your newfound love of Mike Flanagan. It seems like Mike Flanagan has a home on Netflix. I mean, is that enough to? I mean, is, yeah, even Mike Flanagan though has had his woes with Netflix. I mean, he he wrote an entire script for a Stephen King movie that Netflix completely did, passed on. Mm. That now he wasted all that time doing. He was adapting revival, and uh, Stephen King himself approved the script. And uh, just recently, Netflix said no, and they they gave it the red light, and they passed on it. So that movie may never get made, and if it does, it won't be uh, with Netflix or with Mike Flanagan. Back to uh, Jupiter's Legacy. Like the thing is, like Netflix threw so much money at Mark Miller. They're going to start the Millerverse, man. And like, yeah, what? that was fucking news. Like every fucking entertainment news site that day was just blowing up about the Millerverse and how that was such a huge like purchase for yeah. Netflix. And uh, it seems laughable now that that was the the general opinion. Um, I mean, of, of well, of, they they canceled like, they canceled the the Magic Order, and then. If you've heard within the last couple months, now they're they're starting that up again. Now we're gonna get the magic order. They're gonna do it on Netflix. I don't, dude. I don't know what the fuck, man. They're all over the place. Do they own the rights to Nemesis, or is that a feature film? That was like the Evil Batman series with Mark Millar and Steve McNiven about ten, twelve years ago. They own it. Yeah, I mean that's another one. Like because of Jupiter's Legacy, they were like, oh, I guess this doesn't work. You know, yeah. Just there was talk too data driven. You know. Well. Uh, yeah. Just like all that Miller stuff has has been kind of halted. Um, I mean, I knew know I do know they have big plans for all the uh, the doll stuff, like the Willy Wonka universe that they plan on creating. But that seems real weak sauce to be paying almost twenty bucks a month for the here, fucking here, Wonka verse. Yeah. Here's where they should go with Wonka. I'm just saying, Netflix, if you're listening, how many kids did Wonka fucking murder to find a successor? Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, you know that as soon as Wonka ended and they landed that class elevator, Wonka showed Charlie where all these kids' bodies mm. were buried. Like, he, he took them down to the boiler room and there were all these little skeletons in there. You know what I mean? Oh like, there's God. no way fucking... I always felt like it was the fairy scene. Like, that's like the fair... The, the tunnel is like the tunnel of all the souls of exactly. all the dead kids. Oh, my God, it, that's Greg. That's exactly what it is. Won Willy Wonka's the greatest horror movie ever. You've given me an idea on what they should do. They should do a true crime series hosted by Will Arnett... Yep. Talking about the Wonka murders. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I love it. I love it. <laughs> that would be amazing. I mean, if, you, if you watch it like this guy is killing dozens of children to find a successor, you see it in a totally different light. And, they, and so, the other thing, too, is all Augustus wanted is a little bit like every other kid is an asshole, except Augustus just wants some chocolate. Right. And he's like, how's that chocolate, you fat fuck? And the kid almost <laughs> dies because he just wants some chocolate. What did he do wrong? He just wanted a little chocolate and he almost well, died. And he basically yeah. says like everything in everything you can everything in here you can eat, but all of a sudden he's like, Oh, don't fucking drink the the chocolate. He's putting a child in front of a chocolate river. Yeah. And then telling me he can't eat it. What a dick. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. didn't do anything wrong. That's like, the that's like going, that's Charlie like, was an asshole. That's like if you go to the fucking Golden Corral and they got the chocolate fountain there, they got it roped off. Nope. Exactly. No, and they're blaming but it's still going. shit. <laughs> yeah. How much were yeah. the Impalimpas making, by the way? Were they getting a living wage? Yeah, I love Brian's idea of the, the, the true crime show. I want to see, like, the Oompa Loompa that spills all the beans and they got, like, his face yeah. distorted and his voice modulated. You know, <laughs> I want to see. About, yeah. And he sings a song about how. Wonka, he sings a song about how Wonka killed children. 
exactly. <laughs> He's going to bring, as soon as Charlie walks out, you're going to see Violet Beauregard's, like, intestines all over the place because she fucking exploded. And you know, by the way, they just killed all the parents, too, right? Because of the liability. Oh, you have to at that point. You're fully committed at that point. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, uh, Quentin, do you have any thoughts on Netflix? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you really left me with something here. Um, <laughs> no, I just, I hate how they're, like, trying to, I don't know, they're trying to do all this extra stuff after all these other streaming services are pretty well established now. Like, you can literally go f- somewhere else now for streaming services. I mean, I, I still – hold on. I think I – maybe this is not what you're saying. I still think it's pretty open as I, – as, I mean, I still think it's pretty open. Like if I think of Peacock and I think of even Paramount Plus with Halo, um, I still think it's open. I still think that there's – I still think that it's – that if you're a streamer, there, you can still pull some people away. I really do. I don't. Th- yeah. I mean, we're talking about what streaming service can you not live without? I think for me, the only one, to be quite honest with you, is HBO Max at this point. Like that's the well, only streaming me, service I cannot live without. Yeah, right. it, HBO it and Disney be, for me. I, those. That's exactly what I was gonna say. I was gonna say Disney Plus is like. A big one because I find myself watching those Disney or just anything um, that's on there. I mean, it's just there's so much and um, it's just I don't know. Like, I, I really enjoy what Disney Plus is showing us and especially with what's coming, you know, with Moon Knight and uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi and The Mandalorian. Like, those have really just become a staple in my life to the point where, like, I'm watching all the Star Wars movies again just to watch them. And for that to just be a hub to have them, I mean, that's something that Netflix will never have. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're trying with, like, Stranger Things and I'm trying yeah. to think, you know, which. They just need to create some goodwill, man. It's just, it's just, it's the most expensive service and it feels like it's almost the cheapest as far as how many cancellations there are, mm-hmm. you know, just the library that they have. Like, other services have more extensive libraries with better looking better polished shows for you know a third of the cost sometimes i mean goddamn apple tv is five bucks a fucking month and right most of their shows 90 percent of their shows just look like a level higher than the production going into netflix i mean i know that's because apple has more than just they're more than just a streaming company but but damn when that's five bucks a month and you want me to pay you know 1899 for a bunch of one season canceled shows, man, it's it's rough. I don't know what Netflix can do. I they really need to uh, think of something. They need some good PR. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. Let's uh, move on. Uh, real quick news from Cinema Blend. I don't know if this is true or not. We talked about this last week. Stephanie was asking like where the promotion for Avatar Two was, and we haven't seen a lot, but. This article uh, goes on to say a report from the Ankler is claiming that the first trailer for Avatar 2 will be attached to Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. So it's not been confirmed by Disney, but eh, we might see the first trailer for Avatar 2 coming with uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Um, I don't know. It's like uh, unless I'm seeing the trailer in 3D, I it's not going <laughs> to do anything for me. 
Yeah, I guess there's a chance with Doctor Strange 2 that you'll be able to catch a 3D showing and possibly see it in 3D if that, if that bears out and that's where they're going to put it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, uh, real quick, it looks like we know what uh, Season 2 of Winning Time will be about if it does get a second season, and this comes from BlackEnterprise.com. HBO content chief Casey Bloys shared that the second season would be based on author Jeff Perlman's 2020 book, Three Ring Circus, Kobe, Shaq, Phil, and the crazy years of the Lakers dynasty as reported by The Hollywood Reporter. The docuseries would be exclusive to the Kobe Bryant and Shaquille O'Neal era of the Lakers. Um, Perlman released the book in the wake of Bryant's untimely death and was met with criticism because of what some considered a messy portrayal of the late NBA star. So, yeah, it's going to be the Kobe Bryant of 1996 to 2004. It's what, interesting that they're going to stay with the Lakers again. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, I mean, the Lakers, uh, Kobe and Shaq, I believe, if I remember correctly, they won three championships together, 2000, 2001, and 2002. And, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Who in the hell is they going to get to play Shaquille O'Neal? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wow, that's tough, that's tough. Just get him to play himself at that point. Oh, right. God, yeah. Like, he's a very established good actor, so just throw him in there. Yeah, they're gonna go with a younger guy. They're gonna go with a younger no, guy. I know, I know, I know, for sure. Yeah. Uh, news from THR. I don't know how excited you guys are for this. Um, live action Voltron movie coming, uh, with Ross and Th- Marshall Thurber to direct. And this is igniting a bidding war. Thurber, the filmmaker behind the Netflix hit Red Notice. Ugh, it's terrible. Is attached to co-write and direct the project, which be, uh, would be produced by blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah, we're getting a live-action Voltron, and it looks like um, Warner Brothers, Universal, and Amazon are among six of the seven studios and streamers in the mix for the package. Netflix, was, which was behind Red Notice and streamed the animated series Voltron Legendary Defenders, is not in the running, says sources. So, um... Mm. I mean, uh, Voltron's based on the Japanese sci-fi series Beast King Go Lion. Uh, World Events edited and dubbed the series as a syndicated show titling it Voltron Defender of the Universe that ran in the mid-1980s. The premise centered on five young pilots in a battalion named the Robot Lions, which are vehicles that join together to form a mega robot known as Voltron. So this was Mighty Morphin Power Rangers before Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. And um, is this, I mean, post Power Rangers and post all these Transformers movies, uh, is this going to do anything? Yeah, I mean, they're just going to have to make this look really shiny and nice for it to work. Maybe throw some real star power into it. I mean, don't get me wrong. I have some wonderful childhood memories of Voltron and the show. And, you know, I had the fucking complete package as the toy. And I love that shit. So, I mean, but I don't really know how much fueled nostalgia there is for this franchise. Uh, I think they would really have to pad it up with just amazing special effects and like put the rock in it for it to be able to turn a buck. I, it feels just like feels like a, a doomed failure, just Voltron, and that's all they got. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's wild. I mean, it's it's a property that some people are familiar with, but um, I mean, you look at 
Pacific Rim, which barely got a sequel, and I don't know if this will do much better, especially, I don't know. I don't know. Greg, you have any thoughts on Voltron? Um, in some sense, I'm kind of surprised it's taken this long. They've, and they've been trying to do this for fucking 20 years, it feels like. Yeah, here, here's another one, and maybe it's just me. Is anyone else surprised that nothing's been done with a Thundercats property? Yeah. Like the, I know they, they did they like a kitty cartoon. That, yeah, I mean, it, it just, um, knowing that this is kind of like, you know, where Hollywood has had to go, resuscitating old IP and nostalgia and all that, it's not surprising that we're getting a Voltron movie. When I read this news, I couldn't help thinking of, you've got special effects, but you also, I'm having, I'm trying to think through in live action what five giant lion spaceships joining together at speed actually looks like. I mean, just watch it's, a Mighty Morphin yeah. Power Rangers film. I, I don't know. Is, is it, yeah. Is, yeah. It's exa- I, I used to always think that Mighty Morphin Power Rangers was almost a blatant Voltron ripoff when I first saw it. I think a, a lot of us felt that way. Absolutely. I mean, Jake, I was like you. I had the diecast metal Voltron because you could mm-hmm. buy it all at once. But I didn't watch the show at all. I just thought the toy was awesome, you know? Yeah, I fucking so, love that thing. The head shot off the lions on the arms. Yeah. Oh, it was fucking awesome. The mouths opened on the legs. Oh, it was so the cool. The sword was actually chrome. It was that plastic chrome. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, look, this is probably going to suck um, if it's modestly decent because I grew up in that period of time. I would totally watch it. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, Quentin, I... I can't imagine that you're even familiar with Voltron. Uh, we got to hear about Quentin's age again. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I don't mean to, Jake. I'll just say, yeah, I'm not familiar with Voltron as much. Um, I was very much uh, in the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. I'll just leave it there so I don't piss off Jake anymore. In the year 2022, Quentin is not right. familiar with Voltron. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Guys, I, I regret so much, you know. No. That is one of that no, it's it's fun. It's been an ongoing little joke that you've provided us. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't I don't regret that at all. I'm very thankful. For yeah, that. I'm happy when when you say stuff like that, so we can just you know. <sighs> yeah, sometimes you really have to stretch to mock people, but yeah. it's just like this. I'm going to make this very easy. easy for you. Yeah, here's some low hanging fruit for you to berate me throughout the entire episode, <laughs> Brian. Yeah. And I would I would not want anything less. I think it's the very considerate. Thank you, Quentin. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Throwing us a bone, Jake. Um, (laughs) Guys, let's jump into Marvel news. News. I almost brought this up last week. Uh, Morbius, it's going to be hitting theaters next week. And, uh, it's already been confirmed, of course, there's going to be like a mid-credits or a post-credits scene. And uh, if you want to find out what it is online, you can look it up. I personally have not because we're, I, I just found out about it a few days ago and we're a week out. So I'm just going to wait to watch the movie and uh, see what that post-credits scene is. But uh looks like the first critics' reactions are out there. And, uh yeah, man, not looking good for the early reactions to Morbius. 
Uh, I guess it's a little bit of a mixed bag, but it uh, looks like Cameron Howe says Morbius is just as disjointed and boring as you expected it to be. Clear, <laughs> clearly butchered in an edit by a studio who had no clue what they wanted to do with it. Not that there's a good film trapped in there. Mid-credits are a joke, but stick around if you like rolling your eyes. <laughs> um, <laughs> wow. Uh, at Ren Geekness says, In Morbius, Matt Smith gloriously hams up the place, and Oliver Wood delivers some visual flair to the action sequences. Aside from that, the bad plotting and messy CGI, confusing editing, and worse sound mix result in an absolute incoherent in, in absolute incoherence but the post credits managed to outdo it all wow i cannot oh wait when, for this when the best part is matt smith i'm worried uh what well, well, <laughs> i mean did you read matt smith's quote like he doesn't understand his character at all did any of you read that did you not like no, matt I smith in that. in the uh edgar wright movie no, I thought he in, in Soho. I, I thought he was. I was glad that he wasn't as big of a presence as I thought he would be. He was okay. He wasn't distracting. Uh, but, I mean, that's I a tough of a that. movie for me. But he is maybe the most forgettable part about it. Yeah, I, I, I just, I guess, I have love for him because I think you know he was a really good Doctor Who. So. Yeah, I have zero Doctor Who baggage. Yeah. Uh, everything I've seen him in has been. Not great. Like, oh, I know. I'm not saying like, oh my god, his yeah. performance in Terminator Genesis was fucking phenomenal. Like, I'm just, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. But I'm not. I'm not rooting against Matt Smith. So it's yeah. I'm just surprised by that review. I, I I've yet to see where it's Matt Smith elevates this bad thing. Right. Uh, hey Brian, yeah. I just want to own up. I I have read the spoilers, and I I am I do know what the post credit scenes are. Okay. And, okay. Are okay. Insane. So you both have uh, – give me yeah. like – without spoilers, um, I don't know. Like I want to know if like – does it sound good, stupid, bad? Like what – like – So here's what I'll, I'll say because I really want to be sensitive to spoilers. It – based on what I'm reading, I don't think Sony has any fucking plan whatsoever. I think they're just making shit up as they go. Wow. Yeah. Greg, do you care if I say one word? I, I don't maybe I do. Those those guys might. The, the, yeah, you. No, it's you it's, and it's not gonna be. Okay. Well, go ahead. Uh, what do you what do you think, Jake? No, I, I say no. I say no. okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. That's it. Have that discussion with Greg over Facebook Messenger later. If Greg returns anything you say, I don't know if he's. Right. He, I, I totally would write Quentin back. Okay, there you go. If you, if you've been fought, let me just say Quentin if, starts it with. In the year 2022. Yeah. Sony has had one aim in the past roughly 12 years. And if logic be damned, there's some fucking executive at Sony that wants to do this thing. And Okay, you basically are, are saying Avi Arad wants to give us a Sinister Six movie. Got it. All right. Spoiled. Okay. Thank so, you. Like, and, uh, and, uh, and I'm sorry if that's disappointing. But, <laughs> I didn't but, say anything. But just you saying. gotta earn the right to do that. And it, it just Sony doesn't know what the fuck. Listen, oh, you know, what's Sony's biggest success? A movie in which another fucking studio made the movie. It's, 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 it's disgraceful. And then Look, I know Venom was a hit. I didn't think it was a great movie, but I know it was a hit. That's Tom Hardy. That's not Sony. I'm sorry. I just think the, the studio's totally incompetent. They're totally incompetent. 
It's not just the Marvel stuff either. Sony has a long legacy of tweaking movies after they're filmed and just not seeing the vision, not seeing the tone. Uh, It's all the Sony movies, not just the Marvel movies. But, yeah, they do test screenings and then they just, like, film new shots and turn these things into messes. It's it's all Avi Arad fucking this up, in my opinion. Um, Nicola Austin says, well, Morbius is unfortunately not great. Uh, some really shoddy VFX uh, and uh, 2000s formulaic plot uh, and definitely not as fun as Venom. Real, really confused at the future of the Sony Spider-Verse following the post-credit scenes and the editing. Matt Smith is clearly having a blast, though. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Morbius, uh, this comes from Ad Escape Film Club. This is the last one I'll read. Morbius proves that no matter how many famous faces or shiny visuals you squeeze in, Sony will always find a way to impressively misunderstand basic storytelling. Oh, man. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Ouch. Man, this is gonna be, this is gonna yeah. be interesting. I'm more excited for Sonic 2 at this point. Oh, I can't wait for Sonic 2. I was trying to see if I could see that in 3D anywhere, and it doesn't look like I can, sadly. That would be fun in 3D. Yeah, it would. Yeah, it would. My 12-year-old asked me to take him to see Morbius next weekend today, so now i got to sit through that shit. <laughs> <laughs> fucking, <laughs> fucking shit. We're doing a whole episode on it, Greg. That's going to be wild. Yeah, I got my That's going to be wild. <laughs> uh, I kind of talked about this earlier. Um I talked about Pablo Schreiber and Halo, and I talked about how he's my choice as Wolverine. And um, he actually confirmed his talks. I actually brought up Pablo Schreiber as Wolverine years ago, but it looks like he's confirmed his talks with Marvel during an episode of the Bingeworthy podcast. He said, yeah, you know, I've seen things pop up a lot. I've had a bunch of discussions with Marvel at different points in my career. We've never been able to find the right thing at the right time, but I'd certainly be open to that. But yeah, it's just staying open to the right path. And I don't know exactly what that is, but I'll know it when I see it. In this context, Schreiber mentioned his interest in playing the MCU's Wolverine. Not only that, but Marvel even flirted with the idea. Oh, goodness, yeah. We Well, we flirted with that one for a while. That would be fantastic. That would certainly be a dream casting. He's actually my favorite hero. From a child, he was always my favorite comic book, so I've had a long flirtation with that guy. So, you know, obviously that would be a dream. Well, his brother played Sabretooth. Um so it'd be interesting to see. I'm going to send you guys real quick here. I'm going to pause. All right, I sent you guys some sexy bitch. I sent you guys oh. some uh, pictures there of Pablo Schreiber that I think are kind of like Wolverine-like. The one you can kind of see like his physique and uh, very reminiscent of like Hugh Jackman as far as like him just being shredded in that one pic. And then um, you know the other pictures are, are of him from American Gods, and you can kind of see like. I don't know. Do you get a, do you get a Wolverine feel for this guy? Possibly. I know you, don't, you guys aren't really familiar with his acting, but I think he can definitely bring it on that level. But yeah, I think he has the yeah. look. Like I, I'm I'm sold on the look. I, I just I really have no inclination on his acting. You know, other than watching the first episode of Halo, which I toss. So my my gut says I don't want this guy's Wolverine, but I I can't fault him there. That's that's just all I know. I say bring it on, you know, like we, I just want to see somebody tackle this role. And you know what? I didn't, like I said, I, I didn't hate him in what I saw in Halo. So, I mean, Marvel does some magical stuff. 
So bring it on. I want to I want to just see Wolverine in the MCU. Yeah, but you've got to get the right guy in there, man. I don't want I don't want Scott Eastwood or you know what I mean? I want I, I want it's I it either. It's it's Wolverine that we're talking about. I mean, you got to get the right. casting right. I do think. I mean, with my experience of watching Pablo Schreiber in American Gods, I think this is the guy. I really do. I think he's got well, it. He's, his brother's a fantastic actor. He's a fantastic actor. Watching one episode of Halo, and I'm not knocking you guys at all, but watching one episode of Halo is not going to give you the idea that this guy can be fucking... I mean, we didn't oh, know... I agree. I agree. We didn't know, like, how good Pedro Pascal was going to be going into right. The Mandalorian. Pretty and, sure. like, no, this guy... No. I mean, you know, so... I, I'd say give Pablo Schreiber a chance, especially, like... I mean, watch some scenes of him in American Gods. This guy, he's tremendous, in my opinion. So, Well, Brian, I, think I was going to say... You... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Greg. No, no. You go ahead. Okay. I was just going to say, I'm endorsing your idea. Like, I'm taking your word for it. If he if he can bring it, then yeah. I just... Yeah. I, I just... I want to see a Wolverine, like, so bad um, in the MCU because he is such a pinnacle character just in the comics. And we need that. I just... I, I would go for Pablo Schreiber... In a heartbeat. And, yeah, the fact that he's the brother of Lee Schreiber, I felt like that'd just be, like, a tongue-in-cheek thing as well. Just, like, that's that's kind of cool that his brother got to play Sabretooth as well, you know. It'd be and cool to bring Leaf back if that was the case. That's exactly what I was going to say, Jake. I would love to see Lee Schreiber come back as Sabretooth because out of, like, everything that happened, what was that, an Origins Wolverine? I think yeah. that's yeah. yeah. I liked I liked him a lot. I think him and Hugh Jackman had a good... Um, camaraderie, and then especially when they were like going against each other, that th- that relationship was the one thing that I really enjoyed in uh, Wolverine Origins. So yeah, I'm with you, Jake. Bring him back. Like let's let's just get it going. Yeah, he's the best part of what is otherwise a terrible movie. Like that fight scene with him in the rain with Wolverine. That his stuff is the best stuff in that movie by far. So yeah, he's not the problem in that movie. I think his character is not completely damaged because of how bad Wolverine origin was. Mm-hmm. When I first saw those pictures, it, you know, and thinking even of Halo and you mentioning the connection to Wolverine, I don't know if this is kind of where you're going with this, Brian. He's not traditionally good looking, which is a Wolverine. I love Hugh Jackman's portrayal of Wolverine. Yeah. If I had a complaint, it's that he's too good looking. Like, Wolverine should be attractive to women, but not because of what he looks like, if you're familiar with the comic character. Uh, It's more because of who he is and that kind of, like, animal magnetism. But I personally don't think Wolverine should be a GQ-looking guy. He should be a guy who's had his ass handed to him and has kicked a lot of ass for a long time you know he should look rough and rugged and i could definitely see this working and they've got to do something different than the hugh jackman portrayal dude i agree i mean i can see pablo schreiber fucking you know chomping down on a fucking cigar butt and uh with some blood dripping off of his claws i don't know if that's where they're going to be going but man i could definitely see it i'm I am down for Pablo Schreiber. And if you, if you've watched American Gods, I know he's playing a fucking leprechaun. But if you, but he's not, he's not, he's not playing a Lucky Charms leprechaun, guys. Trust me, if you've seen the show, you know he's a fucking badass and you know the guy can act. So, um, yeah. Better than Warwick Davis? <laughs> I, honestly, if Warwick Davis got cast as Wolverine, that would be. Oh, Whoa, that would be something. That would be interesting. Um, 
Marina Baccarin uh, talked about how recently, what was this? this was an, I'm not going to talk about this one too much. I'm just going to, I'm going to bring it up. It's from Yahoo Entertainment, and she says that um, she's hopeful for a Deadpool 3 return. She says that they are very, very annoyingly tight-lipped right now. So she doesn't even know if she's coming back. I would hope that uh, her character of Vanessa would return. She's kind of the heart of that story, so it's yeah. very silly to uh, not have her at all. It would be kind of equivalent to Natalie Portman disappearing in uh, in the Thor movies a bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. I want, I want, I definitely want back run back. I like her, and I like her uh, um, chemistry with Ryan Reynolds. So hopefully, we'll be hearing a little bit more about casting for Deadpool 3. Oh my god, how far away are we from this fucking movie? Are they going to start, I mean, I guess they said like in that Production Weekly article that they're going to start filming this thing in 2023. Yeah, they've nailed down a director so it feels like things are actually starting to get rolling, so maybe we'll get some more concrete news sooner than later here. Yeah, we got the, we got uh, Rhett Reese, Paul Wernick back writing this one so hopefully it'll turn out better than deadpool 2 and hopefully it stays fucking rated r because if it is not rated r i have lost all hope all hope with deadpool 3 if it's pg-13 i'm fucking out that's uh, i'm sorry i i agree you you can't dial it back now you just can't yeah, I need that rating announcement. Um, news from Dark Horizons. Marvel Studios developing Nova Project. Uh, we kind of teased this last week with the Production Weekly where they said they were doing an untitled Marvel um, outer space, you know, uh, cosmic project. And, uh, you know, Casey Walsh scooped that, uh, that they're going to start filming a Nova project in 2023. It looks like it is happening now. Marvel Studios is reportedly developing a project based around the character of Nova, a.k.a. Richard Ryder. Is it 100% Richard Ryder, uh, though? Uh, or is it going to be Sam Alexander? That's my question. Um, in the comics, Nova is a member of the intergalactic police force known as the Nova Corps, which uh, he gained superhuman abilities, including enhanced strength, flight, and resistance to injury. Uh, the character has had run-ins with the Scrolls, who have been a part of Captain Marvel and the upcoming limited series Secret Invasion. What do you think? Do you think they're going to go Richard Ryder? Or do you think they're going to go Sam Alexander? I think they're going to go Sam Alexander. I have a hard time believing that the MCU is going to have a character named Dick Ryder ever. Um, <laughs> even even if they do have that character, I feel like they're going to change his name. It's going to be like fucking like Sam Ryder or something. Like I, there's just no fucking way. I they, they have to be self aware enough to know that they're not going to introduce a character with that name. They're going to uh, the the new the new Nova is going to be uh, John Buttfucker. Yeah, I mean, if, if you're going to go with Dick Ryder, that's the perfect thing to uh, introduce into Deadpool three. Yeah, um, my I guess like my biggest worry is a whole series, a whole not a series. I think this is going to be a movie. I think Nova's big enough for a movie. Um, I don't think this is going to be a Disney Plus series. I, I think I personally think it's going to be a movie, but. Um, Having it, you got to get the right kid in there to play. If, if they're doing Sam Alexander, you got to get the right teenager in there to play it. Because sometimes I have a hard time following. I don't know teenagers as the leads and stuff. Sometimes I don't know. I agree. I agree. It's a, it's definitely a tricky line to walk. Casting the the right kid, you know that 
the fine line between annoying and charismatic is definitely very true with young actors. Uh, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do, but it's such a fun, tragic story with a great rogues gallery that, uh, yeah, I'm excited. I, I would rather see it a movie too, just to have that like grandiose budget and, and feel, I don't, I don't know. I mean, not that Disney plus holds back on their series, but yeah, I want to see this shit in fucking like IMAX Dolby sound. I, I think the story and the character is deserving of that. If if it is Sam Alexander, if it is the teenage version of Nova, uh, they're if they're going to adapt it from the comics, I'm not saying that they, they could totally change his origin story because I, I think they will. I think like I personally think you know um, we find out you know in uh, the Infinity War that uh, Thanos basically destroyed. Uh, um, Xandar, decimated Xandar, Nova Prime is dead and all this other stuff. I think like he might be like the, the, the last survivor, um, of, uh, of Xandar living on earth. He, his father, kind of like a Peter Quill type thing, right? Like it's very Green Lantern too, in a way. Yeah. And so like, and then in the comic, um, I think it was written by Jeff Loeb. Um, yeah, it was, it was yes, Jeff it was. Loeb, Ed McGinnis. Yeah, Ed McGinnis. Yeah. And, and Sam it, Alexander is actually named after Jeff Loeb's son who passed from uh, cancer. So it's a definitely a Loeb uh, character. That's right. Um, but uh, Rocket Raccoon and Gamora are the ones that give him like the the suit and the helmet and all that stuff, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. So maybe mm-hmm. maybe they'll show up in the series. Brian, I read a really awesome. interesting. Yeah, I read an interesting rumor this week that I can't source, unfortunately, because it's not at my fingertips. Sure. That it, it's actually both Richard Ryder and Sam Alexander that are in the movie, and that Richard Ryder somehow escapes from Xandar and then had known Sam's father, and both gives him the helmet and tells him about his father in some way. Now, again, whether that's true or not, I couldn't tell you. Right. I I thought it was from a, one of the more credible sources, but I don't have who it was at my fingertips. But that sounds like it could make sense. And I also agree with Jake. There's no way they're going to call him Dick Ryder in uh, in the MCU. They'll probably change his name. But it, it's either way. It feels like Sam would still be the the first name on the on the poster there. Yeah, it's really going to be Sam's movie. Yeah. It's being adapted by Sabir Prasada, who uh, wrote two episodes of Moon Knight. So it's yet to see, like, really how much we love this guy as the creator of Nova. But I guess we'll find out very shortly. I think maybe sh- Guardians 3, we see him. Sorry, Brian. Apologies. Um, I was just going to say that I th- Guardians 3 could be like uh, – that could be like the post credit scene, right? One of them? Mm. Oh, easily, easily. That, that's the perfect place to introduce this, I would think. But I think like I think, you know, watching the beginning of this movie might be just like a a flashback of Xandar getting destroyed. Yeah, I agree. You can't you can't fast forward over that part. I mean, I know we it already happened in MCU lore, but we have to flash back and see that on a planetary level. Well, yeah. Well, when we I mean, when we first reviewed Infinity War on that episode, I believe if you go back and listen to our Infinity War episode, I talk about how I think this would happen in a Nova project. If we get Nova, we're seeing this as a flashback. And Yeah, yeah, you have to. You have to. I mean, maybe you jump to present day after showing the drama that creates the character, but you just can't have the emotional weight of it without seeing the destruction we don't we don't even need to jump to present day i mean for the first oh, we don't need to no but no no, no hold on going to, yeah i'm just saying 
we don't need to jump to present day in the first movie necessarily. Um, because just like in the first Guardians movie, that took place in uh, 2014. Oh, yeah, just like Captain America, mm-hmm. the first Avenger, just like Captain Marvel. Sure. We can definitely start the origin wherever we want and then later on introduce this character into the modern mythos of, of a current movie. But they might not do it that way because uh, unless, unless they cast a younger actor and then the next time we see him, he's a little bit older. I think they should do like with the casting, like when they got Tom Holland, they pretend like he's like a 15-year-old. And um, he's in all actuality, he's like 19. He just looks like he could be younger. So mm, I like it. Yeah. Do you think they might be building? Because, you know, we've heard for years this is the last Guardians movie with this team. James Gunn has. And I don't think I think James Gunn is probably done with Marvel. I do too. But oh, is yeah. there another space based team with Nova and Adam Warlock in the middle that might be kind of building up? I don't know. My gut tells me Nova's more likely to be a young Avenger than on some other space mm, team. I could see that too. Well, um, it was, uh, 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 Wade, uh, blanking on his name. Um, the comic writer. Mark Wade? Mark Wade, thank you. Um, he wrote, uh, I believe it was a, I think it was a young Avengers run and it was, it was Ms. Marvel, Nova. Um, I'm trying to think of all the other characters. I think maybe Wiccan. There was a bunch of them in in a Mark Wade run of the comic, and um, it, it, it was really good. And they and Ms. Marvel and and Nova had some of the best interactions in that comic. Um, Nova was always trying to show up and and look cool, and you'd always get to hear like his inner thoughts about like how he, he <laughs> like how he embarrassed himself in front of her and all this other stuff. It was really good. Yeah. So, so you're smelling what I'm laying down. It, mm-hmm. it, yeah. it feels dumb to introduce a young cast member like this and not plan on getting him in the mix when it comes to this young Avengers that we're presumably going to get pretty soon. Yeah, it just depends on like what are they going to do with young Avengers? Is it going to be a theatrical release or another Disney Plus thing? So we'll yeah. see what they do with the young Avengers. Um, let's jump into DC news. Last night. Batman destroyed my vagina. And now the leftovers are going to destroy DC News. It's time for DC News, you fucking pieces of shit. Alrighty. Yeah, who watched the uh, deleted Arkham Joker scene? I did. I did, I did as well. Yeah. What twice. You, twice. Oof. Yeah. Um, well, the scene did... Uh, it did kind of confirm one of the theories there, but I know it's not canon since it didn't make it into the movie, but it did confirm one of the theories that, uh, that Batman was the one that put him, uh, put him away. And, uh, yeah, we got to see more. And it is pronounced Barry Keegan. You pronounce the G. Jesus Christ. I, I was sent, uh, I was sent something from one of our listeners saying, yeah, here he is in an interview and he's saying you pronounce the G. Jesus Christ, these names. Um, but yeah, uh, what did you, what did you think, Jake? Oh, I did not like it. Um, but it's interesting. Like, 
when you see stuff like this, you know someone decided not to include this in the movie. So I applaud them for making that correct decision. Uh, I feel like the scene is too long and too much of a departure from what's going on in an already, you know, almost three hour movie. Um, it felt very Silence of the Lambs wannabe, like the Joker was kind of this Batman's Hannibal Lecter, mm-hmm. uh, you oh, know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just didn't much care for it. Um, again, I thought the laugh was a little bit better in this deleted scene than what we saw in the actual final cut of the movie, but still not great. Um, and I think they wanted to keep the character a bit more ambiguous in case they decide to go another direction with what actor they, you know, eventually end up going with. Um, yeah, it was very interesting to see if you're a fan of the Batman, this is a must watch, but you know, ultimately I did not love this scene and I think they made the right choice, not including it. Yeah. I'm glad that they left it out. I, I was happier, um, with this Joker performance than what we got in the actual movie though. Um, it's still not, I'm still not a hundred percent sold on the performance though. Um, but I'm glad that they left it out. What'd you think, Greg? Yeah. I'm, well, I'm glad they cut it. I mean, um, Matt Reeves, the Batman was my most anticipated movie of this year. And my God, that is three hours of darkness being rammed in every orifice of my body. You know, I mean, for God's sake, it's so fucking long. And it was like, I, I, I liked it. I don't know if I'll ever watch it again because it's just, I felt like I was being punished by darkness for three hours. And when I watched this scene, I, I was like, Oh my God, like, thank God this was, thank God this was cut. And could they have shaved another half hour? Maybe of sh- it just again felt unnecessary. I just wish they had had a more ambitious editor who maybe was a little louder about what shouldn't have made the final cut. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What do you think, Quentin? Yeah, I mean, I agree with everything that you guys are saying. I love that the the good things that I did like about this Joker is just kind of his look was more grotesque. Um, he didn't have any of the makeup really, but I just I. I it makes me a little excited to see what happens in future movies, um, especially if they adapt anything like they did with the Arkham Asylum video game or like put anything in there in in that retrospect, because I would love to see a bunch of villains come to Arkham Asylum and then Barry Keegan's um, Joker kind of like be the ringleader and all that. Um, but yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm with you guys. I, I love the Batman. I think it was a great film, but I really, really didn't like the Riddler and Joker scene. I wish that that was cut like immediately. Um, and obviously, I've heard what Matt Reeves has said about the scene and everything. But like, yeah, showing us this, I was like, okay. I mean, I'll watch it, you know. But uh, yeah, it didn't. Re- obviously, it just gave us a better look at Barry Keegan as the Joker and. That's basically it. I I'm fine with whatever they want to do with him in the future. Just don't make it in the second or third movie. Just 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 wait. You know. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. I I don't know if I really liked the look of this Joker. He was grotesque. Like, yeah, they kept showing like the back of his head, and I'm like, I didn't know you could get pang burn on your fucking head. Like, I exactly. He must have banged like many hookers with pang burn. Yeah, you know? yeah. Twenty two alone. Yeah. yeah, in the year twenty twenty two, man. Um, yeah, it was just 
Uh, he's a little too, too grotesque looking. And like, I've seen some fucking gross looking jokers in the comics and shit. Staple face joker is fucking terrified. Terrifying. Oh, hell looking. yeah. I love that. I love the 52 joker. Oh, me too. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. I, I wasn't a big fan of this scene. I thought, uh, Keegan looked, I think he acted a little bit better in this one, but, um, it didn't make me excited for more joker. I'll tell you that much. News from gamesradar.com. James Gunn managed to pull off the scene impossible in Peacemaker. The director managed to get most of the Justice League together on screen for a cameo. Speaking with Total Film about the moment, the filmmaker reveals that there's a whole lot more of where that came from, especially when it comes to the humorous exchange between Ezra Miller's Flash and Jason Momoa's Aquaman. Quote, I have tons of stuff I didn't use, Gunn says. Uh, Ezra went on, and I'm not kidding, for 16 minutes about Aquaman having sex with fish. It was really <laughs> funny. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to see that deleted. Me too. Towards all sixteen minutes of it. Towards the finale moments of uh, episode eight, John Cena's Peacemaker saves the day, only for Superman, the Flash, Aquaman, and Wonder Woman to show up late. However, Miller and Momoa were the only ones on set to reprise their roles, as the others were silhouettes. The surprise cameo was well received, with many calling it perfect ending to the season. Quote. It was done through pure force of will on my part of really pushing it to happen. I think everybody read it in the script, agreed to it, and then it became a thing. And they realized what a big fucking deal it was. Um, Justice League members, uh, Batman and Cyborg are noticeably absent from the cameo, but Gunn promises we can expect more cameos in season two. Quote, I think we're going to see more connections and some other stuff as we move forward with Peacemaker and other shows at HBO Max. So those cameos will keep coming. I don't know if the Justice League is going to show up in every season of Peacemaker. That might be a one-time thing. We'll see. Yeah, bring on Batmite. You know, I don't know if this is a hot take or not, but I really think the silhouette stuff, like, it was almost a happy accident. I really like... It, like, creates this, like, level of awe and reverence for these, like, characters than actually seeing them make full-on cameos. Like, they're so far above Peacemaker on, like, the actual power level that it it was kind of cool just seeing the silhouettes. It almost just made it more like, holy shit, you know? Yeah, no, it worked for me, too, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Like, from a stylistic perspective, it's almost like... Peacemaker isn't even worthy of seeing their faces in some respect. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. Like the way I, that's the way I took it, too. I, I think it worked out better uh, than what we would have gotten if we would have seen Henry Cavill or something like that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Will we ever see Henry Cavill in that suit again? <laughs> wow. Not unless he stole one. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's, uh, uh We'll see. We'll see. I just think, what do you think? Do you think, do you think they're just going to do away with, uh, they're just going to do away with Superman and the plan to go forward as we're just getting Supergirl? Feels that I, way. Yeah, I seriously don't. I, I hate to say it, but I seriously can't see him coming back to the role. Well, I mean, with us doing Flashpoint, with them doing, you know, something that's basically going to retcon, um, you know, the Snyderverse and they're going to keep what they like and, and uh, take out what they leave that could open up the door for a new Superman, but that's not what I'm hearing. I'm not hearing that they're going to bring, and they could, I mean, if they wanted to with, with what's going on with flashpoint that could bring on about a new actor playing Superman. We're definitely going to get it. If we ever see cyborg again, we're not getting 
<laughs> Fisher. Fisher. Are you saying, no, that, are you no. saying that bridge has been burned? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, they do not have good relations. We will not be seeing him again. Yeah, yeah. So R.I.P. Ray Park is cyborg. Fisher's gone, but um, and I thought he was fantastic in the Snyder Cut. Yeah, I thought so too. I mean, we're we're getting um, Shazam. The rumors in the new Justice League, Shazam is there too. Apparently, right? You've got Batgirl, Supergirl, Shazam, Aquaman, Flash. That's at least what I thought I heard. Yeah, yeah, that's that's so, what I'm hearing too. That makes sense. Cause it makes sense that there wouldn't be a Superman because between Supergirl and Shazam having kind of similar power set. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Yeah, you don't need both. Just bring in one. Yeah, but point. it's like it's 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 we're we're going we're going to be going quite a while without getting a Superman movie and and um I don't know. I mean, I love Superman. So um <laughs> I want to see him done right. I want to see the right director get get a crack at Superman, but it doesn't look it looks it doesn't look good. It doesn't look hopeful if you're a Superman fan. What about the Michael B. Jordan rumors? Is there is that still happening? Or is no, that I mean there were there weren't rumors that he was going. Like the rumors were at one time that he was going to be Superman, but those rumors stopped when he started to work on a project um, about a separate project where they're going to be casting a black Superman. Got it. Okay. So that I mean I don't I don't, and I don't think Jordan's attached to that at all. So. Would I love to see that? Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. I love the actor. I think he's great. Wait, he's not doing the project himself? I thought he was being cast as as the Superman. That has not been confirmed. Okay. To my Sorry knowledge. I, I thought so. Well, let's let's get on the old Google here. Let's see here. He's producing a new Superman related series and things are moving along nicely as the show has found its two writers. Um I never heard that he was officially cast as Superman. He's yeah, they're I, still searching for the right actor. Right. Oh, okay. My bad. I, I seriously thought he was, but yeah. No. My bad. It's uh, it's the character's going to be the Val Zod, and um, yeah, they, they, they're saying being written as a limited series that Jordan will produce and possibly star in, though he has not has yet to officially commit on the latter front. So we'll see. It's not. It's. Yeah, at this point, it's not ruled out, but it's not confirmed that he's going to be Valzad. Gotcha. Okay, yeah. thank you. Yep, 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 yep. That is all I got this episode, gentlemen. All right. Don't know why I turned into Foghorn Leghorn now, the end of the episode. <laughs> well, you I said, reckon, I said. Reckon, yeah. <laughs> mm. Next week is Morbius and Moon Knight, so we're going to have a Morbius episode, and uh, we'll also have a bonus episode where we talk about Moon Knight. What do you think? Are they going to drop two episodes? Uh, I don't know. I I, I have no clue. Um, Possibly just one. Yeah, I think they have one. I mean... There's there's so much like excitement generated for this that I feel like they could have one and that'll tie us over until the next week. I'm so excited for Moon Knight. Yeah, I think it'll be I one I think it'll be one episode because I think with WandaVision it was like, you know, those episodes were so short and then like, you know, half of it was fucking credits. So, I think with this one <laughs> coming in, I think it like 45 minutes is what the rumor is. Yeah, they'll probably I don't know. They were used to it by now, you know. It'd be nice if they dropped two. I would not be opposed to them dropping two. 
I like the Mando <laughs> model where they gave us one episode and then two days later we got the second episode before going on the weekly schedule. I think that's, that's a right. really that's a really fun setup. I think I wish they would do more of that. Like give us episode one of Moon Knight on Wednesday, episode two on Friday, and then every week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been drinking and I'm a toddler. When Brian said I'm not opposed to them dropping two, I giggled. Like a oh poop, poopy joke. Oh boy! Oh my oh God, Gregor, is that where we're at now? <laughs> Pretty much. Oh boy! <laughs> oh my gosh! Keep <laughs> like, talking about poopy. <laughs> <laughs> how, 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 how much have you drank tonight? I've had like three drinks. Oh That's boy. all it takes. Yeah, I know it's not good. It's not good. Oh my Greg's God. gonna hang up this call and watch Austin Powers and just fucking laugh to death. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Even worse, I'll watch Austin Powers too. Oh, what's? <laughs> oh my God! What's so sad is like Mike Myers was just—he was such an influence on like how I talked to girls when I was younger. I was. I was <laughs> Like, like, like Wayne's world was like, like, oh my God, if this guy can get with Tia Carrera, I can get with, yeah, okay, I'm going to be like him. And it's like, no, you do not want to model yourself after Mike Myers in any movie. (laughs) Terrible, terrible role model. Exactly. Garth all the way. And then you're getting all the girls. No, 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 no. If you're, if you, (laughs) (laughs) Garth is even worse. He's so creepy. Garth is creepy as shit. Uh, no. Oh, I'm excited for, um, the, uh, Kids in the Hall documentary. Oh, that'll be awesome. Love me some Kids in the Hall. I don't know when it's coming out, though. I think it was screened at, like, South by Southwest or something. So hopefully we'll get, I hopefully you'll get that this year. That'd be fucking incredible. Hopefully it'll just drop on Amazon and watch it there. Yeah, that'd be a perfect just home streaming release. Yeah, I would love that. Alrighty, alright, that's it. I'm done. Jesus Christ, I'm gonna fucking, I'm gonna go to bed. I need to fucking sleep. Mm. Yeah, I'm right there with you, man. I'm gonna eat and go to bed. I'm ready. Yeah. I wanna thank our guests this week. I wanna thank, uh, I, I'll, I wanna thank Greg and just the, you man, you keep me on my toes every episode, buddy. And it's not with what every you say. Time. It's not with what you say. It's 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 your it's 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 the environment you've surrounded yourself in. It's it's your <laughs> shoddy internet. It is just you the are just food he decides to eat. You're the Dennis the Menace of podcasting, aren't you, Greg? Aren't <laughs> I mean, you? This, I feel like Mr. Episode. Wilson every week with you. Yeah, Quentin has no if, idea if, what the fuck you're talking. about. Yeah, he doesn't. I know what Dennis the Menace is. Come on. <laughs> who's uh who's his uh antagonist, Quentin? Is it Mr. Wilson? I literally uh, just said the name moments just ago. Said that, so oh, damn it. <laughs> well it was a it was yeah. a double test. Right. Yeah, who's the redhead girl? Uh Annie. Wrong. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't even know this. So, I'm so sorry for my I'm so sorry for being so young. No, you should be sorry. Thank you, Greg. No problem, Greg. Thank you. You you had something. I, I felt like you had something witty to say, and then Quentin came in well, and no, said, no. "In the year 2022." Right. No, <laughs> oh, I was gonna, right. I was going to say, Greggy had the shitty internet, but great content. I had the great internet, but shitty content. You know, not at all true. Not at all true. No, it's not <laughs> Listen, true. Listen, if this episode has taught me anything, it's that it's time that I leave my wife and family <laughs> to live my own life alone 
so that I can get better internet and podcast in peace. I it, mean, fuck it, these people. I'm I'm out. If, I'm out of it's, it's, it's the it's the small sacrifices, right? Yeah, give me like six weeks to get an apartment in Comcast, and we'll be good to go. I just want to see. I want to see like uh, I want to see Greg show up to a Starbucks using their Wi-Fi and recording PCL. No, we like, talked about this in a prior episode. It would be Panera Bread, <laughs> and I would be recording, but I would also be fucking it up by dipping in my bread bowl while I was trying to talk. Oh, my gosh, and your wife pulls up with a, I got you a caramel sundae <laughs> from Dairy Queen. <laughs> it, would be something, it would be something more difficult to eat, actually. It would be like the, the Thai chicken salad. And I'd have dressing all over my face and shit like that. I'd be going up for refills when you were asking me questions. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Why, why, yeah, why is that? Why, why is PCL like uh, snack time to you? I don't understand. It's not, I've never ever eaten ever on your show, but like, listen. I'm a chunky guy, and you put a fucking ice cream sundae in front of me, and I'm watching the thing melt. Do you know what I mean? You know how hard that is? Yeah. It's like a ticking time bomb. Yeah, Michelle saved the day because I didn't see that anime thing, and I fucking wrecked that sundae when you got <laughs> 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 Not only that, I, I uh, my son didn't finish his French fries, so I eat the, I ate that too. <laughs> <laughs> and by not finishing his French fries, Greg means he pushed his son off the chair and away yeah, from the he, table. He didn't finish his French fries because I put him to bed before he was done. <laughs> 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 All right. And, yeah, Greg, where can people find you, man? I have a YouTube channel called Amazing Home Projects with Handy Greg. I am currently working on a new episode called Handy Greg Calls Animal Control, and I'm hoping to finish that uh, in the next few weeks. Awesome. Yeah. So subscribe, and you'll know exactly when that episode pops up on your little YouTube feed. And uh, you can go back and watch the other episodes, man. I went on a tear. I think it was like a, maybe a month ago. I think it was after your like last episode or something like that. I can't remember, but I went on a tear just watching them. Yeah, so. I'm really popular in the like boys between the age of ten and twelve crowd. That's never, never where say my bread and butter. Don't ever say that out of context with other people. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect age. <laughs> oh man, Quentin! Thank you so much, man. I wanted to let everybody know that I was on uh, an episode of your podcast most recently, uh, the Real Zodiac. I did the uh, Sylvester Stallone cliffhanger episode with you, and I wanted to admit something to you that uh, I was asked to rate it first. I only thought you could rate it one, two, and three. I didn't know you could fucking use the uh, decimals, point, whatever. Right? No, yeah, and that was me. Um, I should have had Bethany. Rate it first, then have you, and then me. No, so no, no. Like a sandwich. It's not. Know? It's not. Because I would uh, honestly, I would have rated it a two point seven five. Right. But I get. Yeah. It. I mean, I, I get. It. I'm. I really was so happy to get you on. I. It's always a blast talking to you. I mean, in, in either context. Hey, Greg, you know, why are you sharing your? You why are you sharing online? your internet with um, fucking really, Quentin right I now? I really have a good time. <laughs> Greg, why are you sharing your internet with Quentin right now? Well, it's it's always my fault. You know, when I'm not even on the episode, do you blame me for bad internet? <laughs> what if I had bad internet? That's over here? We normally do, actually. We're like, did Greg just jump on the call? Yeah. <laughs> That's good to know. I'm flattered. <laughs> oh man, uh, yeah, my internet went out last week, and I was just like, oh no, I know what Greg feels like. Pretty much, yeah. right? 
No, Quentin. Um, where can people find you, man? Yeah, you can find me on The Real Zodiac. Uh, we have an episode every every week, and we dive into uh, genres every month. Um, we're set up like the Zodiac signs, but we just put the signs into genres. Uh, currently, right now, we are in the middle of our thrillers. Uh, we just released Wild Things, and uh, we're going to be diving into some more, I mean, uh, just this week. And... Yeah, you can find me on on Twitter at chadvader14. And yeah, I mean basically that's that's mostly it. If you need if you need to reach me, just find me on the Real Zodiac and that's R E E L, like the movie real. Yeah. Wild things. Very sexy movie. It is a very sexy movie. I'm telling you, last week is a, was a very sexy time for me. I watched Wild Things X um Deep waters, like it was all just a sex fest for for Quentin. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. That's how PCL was last week. Yeah, I don't. Well, no, I t- I heard from Minx and the Dicks. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, you get to see uh, Kevin Bacon's penis in Wild Things. Exactly. That's Kevin's bacon. That's, yeah, exactly. Kevin's ba- that joke was made, Greg. It's like you were there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Kevin's Kevin. Oh, that joke was made. Well, well, shit. Spoilers. Yeah, wild things and showgirls in a world where the internet, when porn is readily accessible, is a different thing. You know. Oh my god, Quentin's internet's fucking up. Greg's internet. They're talking over one another because they don't realize how slow their connection is right now. Jake, this is like where we need to end it. We need to put a lid on them. Yeah. (laughs) I'm I'm done. I'm done. I'm meeting I'm <laughs> myself. Thank you so much for letting me be on here. And I've had such a great time. Yes. Uh, Jake, uh, we'll be back next week. We got two reviews, Morbius, Mood Night. And until next week. Madonna. I just wanted to say another M. Sorry. Hello? I really just wanted to have like the most awkward of silences. <laughs> To teach Jake a lesson there. <laughs> that that was the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> Jake's like, I'm going to keep this M word train of chugging. Never said. Yeah. Monopoly. Monopoly. <laughs> okay. Mussolini. Give me one more, Jake. Come on. Let's make it funny. Mousetrap. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fucking the hilarity ensues. Guys, until next week, let's all say it at the same time. Put a Keep on. it. Ah, fuck it. All right. See ya. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat But it's all been done before And we don't want to be a copycat We're the leftovers picking up the scraps Drop
It's a trap. Good and toss it, good and do we love it? Hey, let's race it, clean and race it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture, leftovers. Uncool kids, what's his name's already been said, leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing, that is pop culture, leftovers. Originally good have already been done before So we should Separate the wheat from the shaft And we're the shaft The crap Even though we're the shit We're the leftovers Picking up the scraps Dropped by the poor kids it, it, It's a trap Good and toss it Good and Do we love it? Hey, let's race it Clean and race it Let's embrace the Tupperware party Subculture spill over Like a vulture Carry over Counterculture Push over Pop culture Leftovers And with the uncool kids What's to say's already been said Leftovers Pretty sure that the only talent Is the band that's singing this Pop culture Leftovers Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, pushover, pop culture. Uncool kids, what's to say it's already been said. Only talent is the band that's singing this pop culture leftovers.